This week on The Rundown, we kick Adam out. We get the return of an old friend. And we talk a lot, and I mean a lot, about balls. And for the first time in a while, I get to say this and have it actually work. But, theme song! Now, with 100% less Adam, it's episode 301 of The Rundown. As I said, Adam has decided to take the night off and uh, not participate in the show this evening. So, I am joined by a voice from The Rundown past. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, he is back. Andy's in the house. Andy, how you Whoa! doing? Oh, hey, how's it going? I thought you were going to talk about that Sean guy. No, no, he's dead. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. he died. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's a uh, guy, rather. It's just two of us today. And yes. uh, hello, fans. We are ready to talk about some wrestling. Yes, and if you would like to join in on the discussion, if you're watching live on our YouTube channel, you can look on the right-hand side of your screen. You'll see a box there entitled Live Chat. Inside that chat box, typically we call it our Smathers Lounge because the man usually occupies it named Mike Smathers. Not there yet. I'm hoping he'll pop in in just a little bit, but... You can pop in, take your pants off, grab some oil, make yourself comfortable, and join in the conversation because it's a big night. We are gonna t- we got a lot of stuff to talk about from the week that was in professional wrestling, a huge week in professional wrestling, a historic week, if you will, in professional wrestling. On top of all that, we're going to predict what we think is going to happen at hashtag WWE Balls. Uh, the worst, absolute worst name for a pay-per-view. And there have been some real shitty ones before. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just terrible. Absolutely. But you know what the funny part is? For as bad as the name is, the card is really good. I'm looking forward to the actual card. So It's an interesting card, and it's one of those cards that kind of snuck up. Like, I, you know, I was looking at it uh, a couple weeks back, and I'm like, what? there's not going to be anything good. And then all of a sudden, things just kind of like were flying left and right. Not as much buildup on some of the matches, but uh, there should be some really good, solid matches on this card. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, surprisingly. I did not think I would be saying that when I heard the name. But as we... Uh, <laughs> talk about the week that was in professional wrestling let's just dive right in here and for me one of the biggest stories of the week and some people may disagree but i thought this was my favorite part of the week uh and i know you have something to say about it andy was on smackdown when the usos faced off with a new day in a rap battle now i know you have your thoughts let me just right before we go down the, the end the first andy rant of the evening Oh, yes. I've, it's going to be an extended rant throughout the whole episode. <laughs> well, allow me to say this. I really enjoyed this segment. I had very skeptical going into it because you hear rap battles on a show run by an 80-year-old white guy. I'm definitely <laughs> very concerned with what we're going to get. Now, that said, I thought Wale came out. I don't know if you're familiar with Wale, Andy. Um, not not really my wheelhouse. I'm more of a rock guy. So Okay. Great rapper. Uh, big, huge WWE fan. Has a big event around WrestleMania called Wale Mania every year. So he, yeah. he, he's all in. He knows the product. He knows the guys. So I, I, it was obviously a thrill for him, and you could tell he uh, appreciated the moment just in his reaction. Now, I thought he did a great job of hosting it, and I thought there were some great lines in there from Big, there E's, some good ones. From big E's Double D's 
to uh, Jafakin, which might have been my, my favorite, the, the you're just Jafakin. Uh, Carrie and Roman's bags, of course, was in there. <laughs> Um, the, um, another one of my favorites, the Weenie Doo line. Weenie Doo, absolutely great that that made it onto WWE television. You, you're, you're forgetting about the R-rated one. Oh, no, that was what I was saving for last. The most okay. controversial line of yeah, this was... rap battle. Uh, and he said rated R. I think he should have gone rated X, but maybe he was just trying to PG it up for him. Yeah. Uh, but in any event, a reference, a direct reference on WWE television to the Paige Xavier Woods sex tape that leaked earlier this year. <laughs> first time we've really, we've heard it kind of joked around, but first time we've heard a direct reference to it. And it was removed from the WWE.com clip and the Hulu replay. So I think that might have been a little bit off book. I don't know if the guys out back were happy with that, but Andy, I've I've expressed the stuff I enjoyed about this. What did you? What was your problem with it? First of all, it was on Hulu. It okay. did make the Hulu clip uh, because I watch all my stuff on Hulu, and it was there unless they've removed it since this morning. Okay, uh, it still made it on the Hulu replay, which I was excited for. Uh, it was you know it was probably better than you probably would have expected it to be. Honestly, mm-hmm. you know, going into something like that, you look at it and you go, oh god. And you know, for me, there were some good lines, but ultimately. It's kind of a buildup to, you know, we had last week. And and my big rant that I'm going to kind of make my theme this week is I love SmackDown. I think SmackDown is better than Raw. But the last two weeks have been a big disappointment for the most part with regards to SmackDown, in my humble personal opinion. And one of the things that I think, while there were some good moments in this rap battle, it, it felt a little sloppy in some ways. You had the Usos who couldn't seem to get into the rhythm of some of their of their raps you know they they would get interrupted by the crowd or you know kind of get caught up in the moment and they'd go back and they'd restate it and they'd restart like the same line again it just felt a little kind of stunted and weird now that being said there were some good lines in it and it definitely wasn't the worst part of smackdown this week or in the last couple weeks but i mean i don't know it drug on a little too long and i think the ending was a little anticlimactic it's just like here's a shove oh you're disqualified get out of the ring and then nothing really kind of i don't know it didn't the end part didn't really pay off as much well see and that may be a culture thing i grew up with rap battles i, I still to this day will find myself you know you go on the black hole of the internet sometimes i'll look up a rap battle and i'll go down that well um what you saw in terms of the format was actually fairly consistent with the way real rap battles usually go which i think actually was part of why i enjoyed it so much there was an authenticity to it uh that i thought would normally be lacking i'll give you the fact that the end the pushing leading to a disqualification in a rap battle eh, a little iffy iffy but at the end of the day i think we all came out of that feeling like the usos won the whole thing anyway absolutely they did (laughs) i don't think it really mattered at the end yeah so i don't know it was an interesting segment i guess it breaks things up but i don't know in, in in the last two weeks, there hasn't been a whole lot of, in my opinion, very strong wrestling with the exception of a couple of matches uh, on SmackDown. So it's like, again, do we need all this extra stuff when we could have more wrestling? But we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, and well, since you brought up uh, strong wrestling on SmackDown, I guess that's a very natural segue to the next topic we can discuss, which is the match that was billed as a qualifier for the Independence Day Battle Royal yep. when sort of out of nowhere, AJ Styles is forced to qualify for this Battle Royal and his opponent uh, revealed as the other man recently defeated by Kevin Owens, Chad Gable. Now, what followed I thought was a tremendous wrestling match. These guys, A great wrestling match. Yeah, these guys had a great match. Now, first off, not great. Uh, Chad Gable's singlet, not good. 
<laughs> I, I was like mustard yellow. I know it's the Fourth of July and everything, but no, uh, you're American Alpha. It's the Fourth of July. Throw yeah. on some red, white, and blue singlets. We know you have them. Just a bad, bad look on that night. Um, also, I didn't like that they keyed in with Jason Jordan, and Jason Jordan didn't come out at all. That didn't make. Yeah, a that lot was of sense. I saw. I saw on Botchamania uh, <laughs> on their Facebook. It was like he was maybe he was hiding in the singlet. Um, so <laughs> no, he was there because he was in the battle royal later. So it's true because he didn't have to qualify. So he got in, and his partner, his partner didn't. Uh, but no, they went on. They had a great match. My only real issue with this was. When you're going to do something like this, to me, you have the underdog win because as soon as they set up the match, I said, gee, I wonder what's going to happen. I know how this is mm-hmm. going to go. And then at the end of the day, it just followed the formula you would expect it to. Twice. Right. Twice in the same show, it follows that formula. Yeah. So it's sort of like, what's the point? You know, I mean, you mm-hmm. could have you could have theoretically set up some angle where Gable wins and, you know, gets jumped later and AJ gets to take a spot. You could have there done you something to mix things up a little bit. Yep. But from the second that match was made, you basically wrote the entire story for the audience right in front of their face. And I thought that took away from it a little bit. That said, those guys went in there, busted their ass, and had a great work rate in that match. Yeah, it was the best match of the night, obviously. And it was one that, on paper, I'd look at and say, yeah, it's going to be good. But they really turned it out. Like, it was extremely impressive. I you know, I, I don't like the idea of Chad Gable getting all these singles matches. Agreed. I really want to see American Alpha at this point still be pushed to the tag team, which is something that they haven't done very well. And we've, it's been talked about on the show mm. countless times and in the articles <laughs> that were written countless times. Yes. But it, 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 that's a little frustrating. But, man, they really did go all out to give the fans a really good match. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the misuse of American Alpha, I've, I've been leading that charge basically since they call, came up to the main roster. Um, from I thought they screwed them up at their debut, not debuting them on the first live SmackDown. I thought that was a huge mistake right off the bat, and it really set a bad tone for what would happen later on. Uh, I think the other thing that hurt them was they kind of got rushed into that first tag team title victory because yeah. of Zack Ryder's injury. I was supposed to be a program with the Hype Bros. They needed somebody to fill in. They threw Alpha in there and put the belts on them. And I think that just kind of screwed. They, they, they didn't get that moment of capturing the title that I think would have helped uh, their legitimacy. Uh, that said, I agree with you. I don't want to see these guys as good as the match was. I don't want to see these guys in singles because the, the more you get in singles matches, the more you're going to plant that, that little seed in Vince McMahon's head that they need to split them up. They're currently on a process of splitting up every tag team they have. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, Whether it be NXT, SmackDown, or Raw, all of them have had a tag team split up recently, and all of them look like they're potential seeds for future tag teams to be split up. So I I don't want to see any of that. Let's keep American uh, American Alpha together, keep them in storylines, push them, give them some attention, some focus. Yeah, give them something to do. Some promo time. Build up a rivalry. You got the shining stars on there. Not the the colognes, I should say. Uh, That would be a great program with Alpha. Put them in a little tag team deal. Uh, part of it, I think, probably has to do with the emergence of the Fashion Police as they've really kind of taken a featured role every week on SmackDown for a tag team a way mm-hmm. that's not in the title picture. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm feeding for some American Alpha time on television. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, so kind of moving from there, we talked about Styles winning that and going on to the Battle Royal. What were your thoughts on the Battle Royal? I, there's a couple things that stand out in my mind with the Battle Royal on SmackDown mm-hmm. this week. Uh, number one some odd choices with regards to like eliminations, like Dolph Ziggler going out as quick as he did. Um, the fact that they go to commercial break and like there's three more guys gone, but they don't ever like, they don't say like, Hey, these people were eliminated during the break. Um, and maybe one of the reasons, like I know one of the colognes was in there and I think they're, aren't they on their way out of the WWE right now? 
So maybe there, they're there like, are rumors, but no, nothing concrete. Yet. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, you know, the, the real hype for Ty Dillinger, like it's great that he made the top three, but that would have been a fresh match. Ty Dillinger versus mm-hmm. Owens. Whereas I'm not saying I don't like AJ Styles. I love AJ Styles, but again, it was predictable. We've seen AJ, AJ mm-hmm. Styles and Owens together anyway. And Styles should be fighting the, you know, be the next contender against Ginger Mahal. Mm-hmm. That's where he needs to be. So I don't know. It, it was not the greatest. And that's sort of kind of where I where I have a little bit of a disconnect because I, as much as I love the Kevin Owens Face of America gimmick, I think it's it's really kind of entertaining. Um, and as much as I I love to see Styles and Owens in the ring whenever I can possibly see them because they just are tremendous top of their game at the moment. That feud feels too big for the U.S. title. It really does. Mm-hmm. It feels like that should be your world title program, and Orton and Mahal should be fighting for the U.S. title. Uh, I, I feel like almost like it's a waste of this program to have it on the those top guys. And the bigger concern is I think it takes that title away from the secondary guys like Dillinger, who should be getting a chance to have a yep. program or elevate towards it. Uh, it sort of takes it out of play for them. So hopefully this is... This is probably going to carry over to SummerSlam, is my guess. This is a big money match. You could you could really market for SummerSlam, um, but I'm hoping that after that we can we can start moving that title back to what it's supposed to be as a way to elevate mid card guys mm-hmm. uh, and and get some some spots for Dillinger, maybe even Sami Zayn. I wouldn't mind seeing Sami Zayn with a run with that title. Uh, I would do a lot for his character right now. He's not doing much of anything. Although abs- it looks like he's going to have a maybe an angle uh, program with uh, oh what's his name Mike uh, Bennett Canellis. Yes. Yes. Oh, my, my Canales, yes. Uh, so, but in, in terms of the Battle Royal itself, I thought there were some really interesting parts in there. And you touched on uh, Ty Dillinger being in the final three. I thought that mm-hmm. was sort of surprising given how little they've used him since he they came out. Yeah. Uh, but the crowd was definitely into it, and they were very unhappy when he was eliminated, which probably bodes well for Ty to get that kind of reaction consistently. It hasn't paid off yet, but you got to think people are listening to those reactions in the back, and eventually that hopefully will pay off for him. So keep cheering so. for Ty Dillinger, ladies and gentlemen. Um, also thought the, the another thing I took away from it was Kevin Owens is amazing on commentary. Oh, God, yes. When, when he's done, cracking up. When he is done in the ring, he will be the best color commentator in wrestling. Oh, yeah. He's just amazingly witty, good on his feet. Everything he does is is just comedy gold, and it ties back to his talking smack appearances. Every time he's on there, it's just amazing. He's just I can't say enough about him as a talker. And he's great in ring, but he might be even better on a microphone. I um, agree. A couple other things I thought was interesting. Uh, Eric Rowan seemed to get sort of the monster spot. He did, yeah. With a bunch of the eliminations uh, and you know his little interaction there with the fashion police I thought was interesting. He threw... <laughs> Uh, Fandango out, went to throw Tyler Breeze out. Fandango catches Tyler Breeze, puts him back in, and Rowan just tosses him back out again. Do you, do you think Rowan's the one who uh, smashed up their their office? Well, he said them. So, so when the, in that office okay. thing, there's two of them. And, and my, I, you probably, I know you don't listen when you're not on the show. So I, uh, I have a lot of podcasts to listen to. <laughs> to be fair, so the, I have a lot. There's a lot of podcasts on the Questionable Endeavor Network, questendnetwork.com. Yes. yes, there's my plug. There you go, and we'll have more plugs to come. Uh, but no, I thought the interesting part to me was that they, in terms of the the fashion police discussing that, they constantly go back to there was two of them, and they looked like the same kind. Of, they, they almost looked the same, and they were big guys. And I, I postulated on this show uh, I that idea, uh, yeah. I think we're looking at the uh, Authors of Pain somehow yeah. being the team that's ultimately responsible for that. But we'll see. They kind of dropped it. There wasn't much mention of the office trashing this week because Tyler Breeze was too busy dressing in drag and pretending to be Renee Young. <laughs> What was his name? 
Tanae Young, which I Tanae, like which, like Mike Tanae. Yeah, I was wondering <laughs> if it was an homage to Mike. Tanae. Oh, I'm sure it is a Mike Tanae reference. But uh, I thought it was particularly great because his outfit looked very similar to the one Renee Young was actually wearing because they cut right to her in the next oh, scene. Oh God, and her her like her face. And I don't know if she it, knew it was, that was coming. I think <laughs> it was priceless. Yeah, it was tremendous. It was excellent, excellent use by the producers yeah. there um, of her. But back to the Battle Royal for a moment. Another key moment in this Battle Royal that I thought uh, was you had sort of really planting more seeds for the Mojo, Raleigh, Zack Ryder breakup. Um, Earlier on in the night, uh, there was a spot where uh, Mojo's in the back and he's going through his bag and he's got the Hype Bro shirt and he's kind of holding it up and it almost looked like a bit of disgust on his face looking at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ryder comes in and says, hey, hey, I got us a spot in the Battle Royal. We didn't even have to go out and beat Chad Gable to earn it. So um, then Mojo's very excited and said, hey, well, you know, I'm good at winning Battle Royals. And well, Rob Gronkowski wasn't there that night. So, of course, that didn't happen. Uh, but they're teaming up together. I think they teamed up together to eliminate Rowan. And then immediately following that, uh, Mojo threw Ryder out of the thing. And Ryder was pissed, as well you'd expect him to. And Mojo basically looked at him and said, well, it's just business. But they're starting to plant those seeds. And, of course, the best part of that segment, again, was as soon as Mojo Raleigh throws Zack Ryder out of the ring, you have Kevin Owens on the ba- on commentary. See, what kind of a guy stabs his best friend in the back? Which was just amazing. Beautiful. 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 Oh, God. My, my only problem with the Mojo Raleigh. Uh, and you're a big Mojo issue. guy, Andy. We've established. I am. That I'm a huge. I'm, I'm absolutely. And I'm I'm all for Mojo turning heel. I think he'll do a really great job yeah. because, you know, he's got this idea of, you know, what, we've, what have we seen him do uh, recently? He's hanging around kids, showing them the trophy. It's all like sugary sweet. It's going to make the heel turn that much sweeter, especially when he turns on his, his longtime friend, right. Ryder. Now, they could have hype this up, no pun intended, a little bit more last week if they, you know, maybe had a little bit of falling out right after the tag match instead of immediately shoved the New Day once again down our throats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, you get this, like, hyping up of a really cool, what could be a really awesome tag team match between the Usos and the Hype Bros, and the match is, like, five minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's... Mostly you know, during we, commercials. We, yeah, and we don't see any of the fallout at all. Mm-hmm. You know, give us a little bit more. Uh, you know, just 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 a tiny bit more to well, further push it. Don't wait a week. I, I will say this in terms of that match you're talking about from the week before. Um, if you go back and rewatch it, they sort of told the story within that match. Mojo had everything going their way, tags out, and Ryder quickly loses the match. So you're planting mm-hmm. the seeds to be able for Mojo to be credibly upset and turn on Ryder eventually and use things like that as part of his ammunition to, to make what he does uh, make sense. So I, I think there was an element of telling that story and there was no long-term need for them to, to continue that feud because I mean, right. they're splitting up and the Usos had other stuff to do. I kind of wish they hadn't rushed right to the Usos new day feud, maybe have them exist Me separately too. for a while and build mm-hmm. it a little bit. Uh, because that is the biggest match tag team division on SmackDown has at the moment. Yeah, we need to, we need a little bit more cool down from the New Day. We need to build them up a little bit with some other teams to right. make us care a little bit more. I think that they were champions for too long, and I think well, that kind of backfired a little bit. Yeah, but Kofi being out kept them off TV for about a month, maybe two. True. So I think that was kind That's of true. the thought was, hey, they've been away for a while. We can really kind of double down on them. And uh, Adam coined a great phrase on his show a few weeks ago. And it, based on a point I was making, uh, 
the the New Day shtick is filler on Raw and killer on SmackDown because when you're talking about a three-hour show, you have room for a 15-minute promo before every single New Day match. Mm -hmm. uh, when you move it to a two-hour SmackDown, you're talking about guys like Shinsuke not being on the show, guys yeah, like he had Dillinger. Like a tiny little aspect of it. Right, Dillinger, Corbin, Alpha, all these guys. No Charlotte, no Becky. All these people not on the show because we have to have 15-minute New Day promos for every match. And I really do think it's kind of hurting the product. Now, the one thing I have also said is that the benefit NXT has is that you don't see all of their talents every single week. So you get some time to appreciate them. And I think that that was the best displayed by Enzo and Cass because their shtick was great on NXT. You loved it. And then they moved to Raw, and you started to hear, my name is every single mm -hmm. week. And it, it very quickly dragged yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. Greets on you. Yeah, and I did, it didn't have that effect in NXT, and I think that was a big part of it was that they didn't see them every So maybe maybe we sit here and complain about not seeing all these people on SmackDown every week. Maybe there's a benefit to it down the road. We'll have to t kind of see how it plays out over the long term. But it is an interesting subplot to it. Now, we've talked at great length so far about Goings on on SmackDown. So let's shift over to Raw for a minute. Sounds good. As we head into hashtag WWE balls, of course, the <laughs> biggest event taking place at that pay-per-view uh, was, to me, the best part of Raw once again, as it has been for the past few weeks, and that is Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar. Um, this has this is the epitome in professional wrestling of a big match feel. They haven't touched very much. When they have, it was the guy who everyone kind of assumes can't win the match, chokes out the other guy. Heyman's been used beautifully. Joe has been just built up like an absolute stone-cold killer. This has been exactly what it needed to be, and I think it's the one thing on the WWE product right now that people are all excited to see. It's, it's, it's interesting, and I think that I'm really honestly very surprised that they've built it as much as they have because, and I'll explain why, indie wrestling fans all know Samoa Joe already. Those watching NXT already know Samoa Joe. We all know, like you and I, we know mm -hmm. Samoa Joe is a top competitor. He he deserves this match, and he will be he will be a good match against Lesnar. However, your more casual fan going in three or four weeks ago would have looked at this match when Samoa Joe won the qualifier and said, "Seriously, him of all the people, you're going to put him on there? He just had he just had a couple matches with Seth Rollins, and he's not that great." Now, mm -hmm. that's the uneducated fan. Mm -hmm. I think that WWE. They could have dropped the ball on the hashtag balls on this pretty easily mm -hmm. by not giving us much of a build up and 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 you know not and, and assuming that the fans are already going to be behind this match in Joe. They were smart this time. They knew that the more casual fan is not going to know Joe as well. And I agree with you. They have done a very very good job of building up Samoa Joe as an intimidating figure. His work with Paul Heyman is great. I mean, who who how can you not be great when you're when you're working with Paul Heyman? Exactly. But it is going to be a big match, and it feels like maybe Samoa Joe could win it. I don't think he will, as we'll get into when we get to the predictions, but it could happen. It could be that sort of thing, and they built it just enough that if he does win, one, it'll be believable, but two, it will still be shocking. Right, and I think the, the build is the key here because you look at and you talked about it, you look at it on paper and you say, well, there's no way Samoa Joe's winning that match. But then if you're the average fan, you sit there and look, well, look at all the guys he beat in that five-way, all those names that were in there. Mm -hmm. And now, oh, my God, he's choking out Brock Lesnar. Nobody's ever choked out Brock Lesnar on television. That's never happened before. Um, 
so they've really done an amazing job with with keeping Joe credible. And to me, the biggest part of this whole thing is, for the most part, save for a few pull-aparts here or there, they've kept these guys physically separated. But when they've gone face-to-face, Joe has every bit the size to stand in Lesnar's face and have it look credible. That's something you wouldn't have had with a Finn Balor, for example. Um Joe's not looking up at Lesnar. Joe's Joe's every bit the the huge human being that Brock Lesnar is, and I think that visual is tremendous. And then when you t- add to it the fact that they've they've done very little physicality, Brock hasn't really laid a hand on on Joe through much of this build. Uh, the anticipation I think is off the charts with fans. I think this is right. one of their best builds in a very very long time. Okay, I would agree with you. Um, I've got an interesting kind of question that doesn't it, it directly connects to this but it, we can move on to something else sure. this build also that we've seen in another match for uh great balls of fire between roman reigns and braun Strowman. Mm-hmm. roman reigns comes back he says hey i'm getting a title shot because i'm roman reigns and because i'm the ball dog shove me down your throats and that's that's the way it is but then we get like <sighs> a swerve where Strowman comes back which is good it's great i love it and the build between these two have been really great leading into an ambulance mm-hmm. match which normally is a match I could care less about. I don't like this particular gimmick all that much. But they've built it in such a way that looking at the past between the two, ambulances have played a big part mm-hmm. uh, in in these two stories over uh, kind of over the last several months. Mm-hmm. Now, do we see... Okay, so if Lesnar wins, are we going to get the match that Roman Reigns says? Is it going to be Roman Reigns versus, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar for the title? Do we get... Roman losing in this ambulance match, and thus Strowman gets pushed to that title match. Like, because the next event they're going to have is what SummerSlam. Yeah. So, so what is the big match? Of we have we have four potential competitors here: either Joe yeah. versus one of those two, or uh, or uh, Lesnar versus one of those two. Which one is the biggest match in your opinion? Well, don't forget uh, we got Cena in the mix too, because he's a That's free true. agent. That's true. He could come over. Um, but the, to me. On paper, and all the rumors seem to indicate that we're going to end up with Lesnar versus uh, Roman at SummerSlam. Now that the plans have sort of changed, originally it was supposed to be Strowman, but now they're going to they're going to switch over to, Le- to Roman. Uh, if that's true, my thought process on that is simply that they're probably worried the ratings have been down. They're probably worried that not having a champion on is hurting it, and they'll probably just have Lesnar drop the belt to Roman earlier than they had originally planned to. Um, here's my idea, though: if you're if you're going to go that route. Why not? Why don't we throw in a fatal four-way for SummerSlam? Let's get let's get Strowman in there with Lesnar, with Roman, and with Joe, and let's let's have these these four giant guys just beat the crap out of each other, and see who comes outstanding. I think that might be the best way to use utilize them. That's actually a really good idea. You could have uh, you could have the matches set up. You could you could set that match up pretty easily actually on this pay per view. Really push toward this sort of really big fight feel right. that I think honestly will draw in. I mean. McMahon obviously thinks that Roman's the big draw. Mm-hmm. And he is and isn't in some ways, right? The fans, a lot of fans love him. A lot of fans love to hate him, though. Right. So he's going to be a draw. But if you get those really stalwart, like, super Roman haters out there, they're going to be really angry. So if you throw a few more elements in mm-hmm. to the to a main event, you can really, really push that card. And everyone will have a favorite in that match. Although I will say you did throw in one of my least favorite phrases in the world of wrestling when you use the phrase shove him down our throats. I goddamn hate that. Sorry, uh, my apologies. Oh, it's just the, the it's the IWC's go-to phrase and the reality is they write everything, guys. So the people you like, they're shoving them down your throats too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um but in terms of the ambulance match, I think you can look at that from a creative standpoint. Um when when you're looking at booking a show 
Uh, you're talking about you want to keep guys strong if you've got plans for them. And this is the type of match that you do in that scenario because really either way you go with whoever wins this, nobody's taking a pinfall, nobody's submitting. You can have Strowman get thrown into that ambulance, that ambulance drives off, cut to the back before it ever leaves the arena. He busts out of the door and refuses medical attention. He yeah, stays sure. strong and loses the match. And to me, that, that's what this type of match is a device to be able to do. Right. And I think we'll probably see something like that, honestly, because you don't want to, I mean, you don't, if you want to really push Roman Reigns, you don't want to have him lose big time in this match. But at the same time, if Strowman is your big monstrous heel, Mm -hmm. you can't have him just get bitched, you know, in this sort of match. In this match, you're right. It does give an out. Right. And Roman, Roman lost cleanly last time to to Strowman. So there's almost, uh, and we'll get to predictions later, but there's, there's almost a reason to believe that Roman's going to end up coming out on top in this one, but we shall see. Um, what else do we have occurring this week that's worthy of talking? Uh, we uh, talk- Bray Wyatt. <sighs> I want to talk briefly about Bray Wyatt. Uh, and I don't want to talk forever about this because the Bray Wyatt-Seth build has not been good. I like Seth. He's my boy. We have pancakes once a week. But one of the Which things Which is amazing that- with his travel schedule. It's a it, real- is, it, is, it, is pre- it is pretty amazing. Um even while he was in Japan, that's right. Super Seth impressive. has right. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, I like Seth. I'll continue to like Seth, even though this match I'm not excited for. Bray, however, his last promo on Raw, I really liked what they did with Bray and his the way that he like kind of talked about. I, I just, I just dug, it. Like it felt old school. It felt not. I mean, not fully creepy, but it still felt supernatural. And I love that shit. Like I eat that up. So I kind of enjoyed that. Okay, so the good and the bad with the Bray promo this week, um, and, and we'll get into your boy Seth in just a minute because I got some points on him too. Uh, but the good and the bad with the Bray this week, I loved the visual. I love that they moved him to a different location. He's not just in the back. He's not in the dark room with the smoke blowing behind him. They're mixing it up. They're doing different things visually, which to the the viewer at home is a welcome change, and I think it's it's the type of thing that I think worked really well, particularly when the Hardys were doing their Broken Universe in TNA. You were in different places all the time where you don't usually see these characters performing as these right. characters. Yeah. Um, so I think that benefited it a lot. That said, I will ask you this simple question. Uh, remind me of anything significant he said in that promo. He was. I, I just like the idea. He was talking about you know how he is like this force beneath like all of the the happenings in the wwe and he was just trying to and again okay maybe not as successfully just because of his track record it seems so far but like he's trying to continue to kind of push himself out there like i'm the person in the shadows i'm the one who's you know this godlike figure who's always going to be there now if they made him let him win once in a while you know maybe that would that would help his character uh, okay but I, I just like the writing of it okay and and I understand why you would like the writing of it, but allow me to say this. You're not selling your product to a bunch of authors and sci-fi writers. You're selling your product. Now, I can sit here and recite to you lines from Enzo's promo on Raw, which we'll get to. I can recite to you the things that Cena said on SmackDown. I can't remember a goddamn thing Bray said. It's all cryptic, and it's it's off the... It, it's, and I, maybe that's the difference between, between you and I. Like, I, I write for the Shadow Vane podcast. But I just asked you that. to tell me but what like, he said in the promo, and you said, well, it's kind of sort of like... Well, okay. it, was, it was about... The, it's not... It's, it's, it's not different. It's not catchphrase. about it. 
There's they, nothing cause, cause memorable. There's no, there's no catchphrases. It. You're right. It, maybe that doesn't fit wrestling. Maybe that doesn't fit like what we think of with no, wrestling. No, Cena didn't use any catchphrases. He had clever lines that stuck in your head, but it's not like anything he said is something he runs around saying all the time. But he was direct. You knew exactly what he was saying. His message was clear. There was no with Bray. It's just dancing around in all this cryptic shit. And for the layman, for the average viewer. And for the fan who wants to remember what happened on the show later, it has no impact. It carries no weight. It makes him very easily forgettable by the time the show's over. If you were to ask me what happened on Raw, Seth's promo and Bray's promo would be 10th on the list for me of things I remembered from Raw. And both of them are great in the ring. I, you yeah, know, absolutely. And I think part of what hurts Bray is we don't see him in the ring that often. They keep him no, more as a special featured attraction. So he doesn't have that impact because we're not seeing him win week after week after week like we do with a Braun Strowman, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But but in terms of the promos, they were great when they first started because you sort of watched him and went, I'm trying to figure out what he's trying to say. Like there's a mystery to them. We know he's feuding with Seth. But what he's saying carries no weight. There's nothing behind it. There's nothing memorable about it, and I think it really hurts him. Well, I think I think the it, it in general this feud doesn't have much stakes. You know, sure. there's, there's nothing really to this feud, which is I think that in itself, you know, it, it's it's not carrying the storytelling either. Like it's I don't understand why this match is happening aside from the fact that these are two good workers that are going to put on a good technical, you know, actual wrestling match. But yeah, no, I. I'm not a fan of this of this particular program. Well, that leads us to uh, to your boy Seth Rollins there, and uh, so he came out and basically just jobs out Kurt um, uh, Hawkins, mm-hmm. as you would expect him to, as rightfully he should. Um, but then he cuts the promo and he does this thing that Seth is doing now, where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, after being a babyface essentially for the better part of a year. He's now being very overt and very public about, hey, I'm a nice guy. I did bad things before, but now I'm good. Now you cheer for me. And I thought it was good the first time because I thought it was some clarity on his his personality change. On his character. Yeah, that we never got before. But now it's almost like they're attempting to beat you over the head with why Seth is a good guy and you should cheer for him. And to me, that just reeks of the fact that they've created a character in Seth Rollins as a face that nobody really cares about. Is yeah. there, there's nothing there's nothing you care about with Seth Rollins whenever he does anything. I have He's a good in-ring performer, although he's stealing Kenny Omega's finisher, which is a little uh, you know overt now given how popular Kenny Omega's become. Yeah. Uh but he went from stealing Triple H's to stealing Kenny Omega's. He should probably try to come up with something of his own. That said, um I, I just Well, he had one, but they just won't let him use it now. Well, you know. Um I think he stole that from someone else too. I forget who it was. But in any event, uh the wrestling move isn't stolen <laughs> at this point, you know. Fair enough. Uh but I just I, I can't get into anything Seth Rollins has done lately. They're not he, writing him well. They're not they're not they're not giving him any any really in-depth since the whole Triple H thing. He's Even that. Of, even that. Well, like, I mean, that, there were some missteps with that, absolutely. Big time. I, I think that yeah. could have been very compelling and well-written and I think maybe his injury kind of threw it off cuz they were kind of wishy-washy right. about will he or won't he. But I think just the way that was written was so poorly done. There was such a great story you could tell there. And I think he started to tell it in the last couple of weeks with these promos, but it's almost a too little too late situation for me. Yeah. And maybe, maybe we just have, are reaching a point where we realize, despite what we may have thought at the beginning, Seth is just better as a heel. 
Yeah, and you know, maybe unless they can find him someone that and they actually spend some time building, let's say, you know, a program instead of just like, uh, let's just throw these two together. You know, maybe maybe give it an actual chance with some good writing and a, mm-hmm. and a good back backstory. You know, um, but yeah, maybe maybe he needs to go back to the heel, which I'm fine with because if you look at, I don't know, if you look at Raw, you could use a few more good heels probably. Yeah, and, and I think the other part of it is we live in an era where the product is so oversaturated, and and I think this is part of what helps so much with the Samoa Joe Brock Lesnar program is that it's a match we've never ever seen yeah. before. Who has Seth got left to work with that we've never seen him work with? Maybe AJ. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Nakamura? Sure. But other than that, he's done programs with Roman uh, ad nauseum. He's done programs with Kevin Owens. He's done programs. He's he's had a couple of weeks worth of matches with uh, Braun Strowman already. I mean, it, there's very few top guys for him to work with where it's exciting and different. And he's even this Bray Wyatt thing is a bit of a rehash. I think they've had a few matches in the past on TV. Um I just feel like they, they, they're kind of blowing their wad too quickly on a lot of these matches, and especially when I sit there and I look at a couple of weeks ago when on SmackDown they gave us for free Kevin Owens and Nakamura. Mm-hmm. I, well, I mean, that's that's a problem and something I've argued in the past, that creative over the last several years doesn't want to put the time and the effort into actually building a storyline and instead just throw us you know, the same match over and over and over again, you know, there was a time when the Ms. Dean Ambrose thing was kind of cool. I liked I liked the program, but then you saw it again and again and on TV and then on pay-per-view. And then now they switch shows, but they go together and they're feuding again and again. And it's like if they, you know, the last good build that I can honestly remember is what they and I, and I usually don't like using Daniel Bryan because I'm not I'm not as big of a Daniel Bryan fan, but Daniel Bryan chasing the title, mm-hmm. that whole feud, that whole build, that was really well done. They took a lot of time with that. They they're not willing to take any risks to to take the time to tell a story anymore, and that's that is hurting the product in a lot of ways. See, I I, I will go far more recently than that, and I know these are people you're not necessarily huge fans of, but you look at that mixed tag match with John Cena and Nikki Bella at WrestleMania. That had storyline, that had development. They spent time and focus on it. They made it a focal point. Absolutely. Um, and, and it worked. And you went from that match being the match that a lot of people were like, oh, God, I can't believe they're doing this, to a match, wow, I really want to see how this plays out in the ring. I was excited. Now, the the end result of that match was not great because they didn't really give it enough time. You know, right. I wanted to see more of that. You know, I don't think Maurice even got into the ring for more than, like, a second. Yeah, but I, I think there were a lot of it, circumstances around that Nikki yeah, Bella's probably. health not being the least of which right absolutely and I, I think that honestly yeah that was that's another good example and they took time mm-hmm. and it worked Strowman do building Strowman's been a, Stroman. done a great job building Strowman that's true that's true they don't do that enough for for these guys and that's why you have these top guys kind of floundering because they've already done everything and then you've got these middle and lower card guys who don't even have anything to do because they won't put the effort into trying to build them like they did in the Attitude Era right. You know, you could have positive or, positive or negative thoughts about how the Attitude Era was, but one of the good things about the Attitude Era was that everyone had something to do. Right. They had stories that developed. Right. They gave them time. They Even the lower-carb people had right. things of interest to do instead of just jobbing out. Yeah, and then we, we're not allowed to mention his name on the show, but the head writer of Raw during that time period uh, is 
has been on record a couple times as saying that was a big focus for him was that they wanted him to only focus on these top guys, but he thought he was so much better off giving character and definition and story to the guys in the middle of the card because eventually that helps them get up to the top and you're not stuck with the same three or four people at the top. And that's kind of where they're at right now. Um, We talk, I mean, we can run through the list of guys that are, are criminally underutilized. We talked about Alpha. We talked about Dillinger. Hell, you've got the freaking Revival has been back for two weeks, and they're working main event. They're not yeah. even on Raw. Look at yeah. Gallows and Anderson. This is an all-world tag team. Mm-hmm. And somebody, somebody with some idea of what's going on in that company needs to explain to me why a thrown-together team with very little charisma like Sheamus and Cesaro are the focal point of your tag team division right now when that could be Gallows and Anderson, two guys who are a credible tag team, they look like a tag team, and they are great and entertaining on a microphone. I'll disagree with you a little bit, but also agree with you a little bit of both. I like Sheamus Cesaro, but there's room for both Gallows and Anderson to actually be pushed as a real threatening team and there's room for that on a three-hour show if they actually gave any care about their tag team division. Mm-hmm. If you had more than one tag team actual you know, storyline going on at a time, then maybe you could have both of these teams. Because I, I love, actually, Sheamus and Cesaro are one of my favorite parts of Raw, honestly, nowadays. Just because I really enjoy, they, they've really melded as a tag team. You could disagree with that, that's fine. But... My point is, you can have more than one team, and that, I think, is the problem. You have these great tag teams, like you mentioned. All those teams, really great. They're not being used because Vince hates tag teams. How about the Ascension, the Colognes? I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I'm I'm a huge Ascension mark, and the way that they've been used pisses me off every single week. And and I've mentioned it on the past, but if you listen to the Pritchard show, periodically it pops up that Vince is just not a fan of tag teams, just doesn't no. like them. No. Um, and that's why you see a lot of times guys, teams just split up before their time is up. I mean, I, I could make a case that the Shield still had a good run left in them before they broke them up, but Vince just can't get over his hatred of tag teams, despite the fact that tag team wrestling is incredibly hot in this country right now. You look at the indies, who are the hottest indie acts in the country right now? I don't, I'm not a particular fan of them, but there's no denying the Young Bucks are selling their freaking merch in Hot Topic and selling out of it. So mm-hmm. much so that Hot Topic in international markets is now ordering the Young Bucks stuff. I mean, tag team wrestling, when it's done right, when it's done, look at the, what's, what's one of the preeminent memories you have of WrestleMania and the Attitude Era? TLC. Well, TLC, I'm Yeah, sure. absolutely. Tag teams can be incredibly interesting and engaging for the fans. You can tell great stories with your tag teams. Unfortunately, Vince doesn't want to do that, and the end result is that a lot of these tag teams get kind of shoved to the side. Now, and then they get then they get broken up, and then you get one person on that tag team maybe goes on and does something, and then you have another talent that's wasted. Right, and, and in a lot of cases lately, it's just kind of both talents that end up yeah, floundering. No, right. I mean, you very rarely have a Shawn Michaels coming out of any mm-hmm. of these tag teams lately. You usually have a Titus O'Neil and a Darren Young, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we touched on it a little bit, but we also had the return of your 16-time world heavyweight champion, John Cena, to SmackDown. Uh, did an interesting angle. So my take on this, I almost split this into two segments. Uh, Cena coming out, I thought, cut a great promo. I loved, particularly really, really enjoyed the line, I'm not a part-timer, I'm an all-timer. I thought that was mm-hmm. tremendous. Yeah. Um, 
I thought he did a great job of, uh, you know, as well as you can of explaining the whole free agent thing. Like, hey, you know, I've got a limited amount of time left in this company and I want to face all the best guys I can face. Uh, and if you think I'm not talking about you, then I'm probably talking about you. Uh, I thought he did a great job with that. I, I was in, engaged and interested in what he was saying. Uh, and then Rusev came out. And I'm a fan of Rusev. And I'm a, there's another mm-hmm. guy who I think has been criminally underutilized in his time. Um, except then he cuts the anti-American promo mm-hmm. uh, again. The same promo Kevin Owens is cutting. The same promo uh, Jinder yeah. Mahal's cutting. I mean, I'll and, cut him a little bit of slack a little bit because of the fact that it was the 4th of July. They, you know, here's, here's what they could have done. If you, if you are going to use that, my note was don't have Cena say, let's have a flag on a pole match and then don't have it. Have the match then. Get that out of the way. Cena goes on, does whatever. Rusev, you know, has a strong showing. Uh, he, he's not going to, like, look that bad. It's a, you, you get up and you grab a f- fucking flag. It's not like you take a pinfall. It's not like you submit in that particular match. Let him have it. You know, get a little USA chant going. And then shove Rusev onto something else. You know, give him, you know, or have an interference of someone and, and start an actual feud, feud with Rusev. I mean, we've we've seen the John Cena Rusev feud before, right? And the flag match, I think, goes to what we talked about with the ambulance match. It's a way for neither guy to really get pinned, deci- mm-hmm. beaten decisively, mm-hmm. and both kind of stay strong. And it makes perfect sense if you want to do a flag match on the Fourth of July, USA, rah rah rah. Uh, but to have this flag match take place at Battleground sort of made no sense to me. Uh, we have our first guest, Nina Marie, on the I side. See that. Hi, Nina. Sh- she says, Scott Dawson of The Revival was pinned this week by Kalisto on main event, touching on what we, we said earlier on, uh, and that hopefully Rusev will defeat Cena without pinning him at Battleground. Uh, I think you're going to be disappointed then because I, have a, I, I really have a hard time thinking that uh, Vince McMahon is going to allow Battleground, the match at Battleground, to end with Rusev waving the Bulgarian flag and the American flag still stuck in the corner. Are they are they actually going to do that match at the pay per view, yeah, or are yep. they going to? No, is, no, is that's that a, confirmed? Yep, yep. Okay, yeah, I want to make sure because I didn't know if that was going to be like an actual flag match there, or if Cena just threw a, a throwaway comment as like we should do it for the Fourth of July, and then they just have a regular wrestling match. Yeah, no, they're good. They announced it's going to be at Battleground. Gotcha. Uh, Scott Dawson being pinned by Kalisto. That's a tragedy right there. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we talked about how they how they treat the tag teams lately. And speaking of how they've treated tag teams, uh, let's talk about how we kicked off Raw this week with Enzo Amore coming out and cutting what I thought was a great promo, complete with some, we talked about some very memorable lines where he talks about, mm-hmm. you know, the only thing your shirt's going to say is Casshole. Thought that was a great one that fans are going to be able to latch on to and kind of cheer that into a catchphrase. Uh, so I thought it's a little bit weird, almost like he forgot a line. He drops the mic, then comes back, picks it up, and cuts a little more promo. I thought that was a little yeah, strange. Yeah. Um, but then they cut to Cass in the back, and, and you get a legit and, – and this is what I'm talking about as particular, and, and I keep going back to it, but I think it's the best thing they're doing, Joe and, and Joe and Brock. Th- there's real physicality. You really feel the anger. It feels yeah, like these are absolutely. two guys that want to fucking kill each other. and. That's been missing for so long that I think it's been a great touch. Now, Enzo's probably going to get his ass kicked in this match. He has no business even being competitive in this match. But I'm now interested to see it because of the way they did that. And I I think it's going to be great because you're going to have Enzo. He's going to lose. He's going to get his ass kicked terribly. But he's not going to give up. He's going he's gonna to keep getting his ass kicked again and again and again and keep getting up. And there's going to be so much emotion in it that it's going to be great. And right. honestly, Enzo and Cass, 
over the last couple of weeks, that has been my favorite part of my absolute favorite part of Raw. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I even enjoyed that more than the Samoa Joe stuff, just because there's that. It's it's a good story, you know. It's a betrayal aspect to it. it. Yeah, absolutely, and it and it's been told really, really well. Right uh, now, well, except for the Corey Graves part, but yeah, yeah. Well, there was a there was a thing on Botchamania uh, that was cracking me up. I don't know if you're you're uh, you was it Phoenix Wright? If you've played the Phoenix Wright games, I know you're not, not much of a video yeah. game player, but they did yeah. a whole skit where they played that with all the sound effects oh. for Phoenix Wright, and it was actually hilarious. It was pretty uh. great, but um, but yeah, no, it was. Uh, it's it's really good, and I think it's gonna possibly be, you know, it, it'll be the most emotional I think, uh, you know, match that I'm really looking forward to on that card. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll get into our predictions later. But if I'm booking that match, I'm basically, and, and I'll go a little bit off of what I said here. Uh, I would book it in such a way that you're sitting there with Cass just beating Enzo relentlessly to the point where he won't stop, and Enzo and Enzo can't keep getting up and the referee eventually disqualifies Cass for just beating him too badly um, mm-hmm. I would give Enzo the win in that way and I think both guys come out better for it I think the danger you run into here is that if Cass goes out and squashes Enzo like I think he's going to you sort of kind of take all the wind out of any Enzo push if Enzo goes out and takes a beating but like you said almost to that stone cold mm-hmm. uh, thing at Wrestlemania where he takes a beating but just never gives up I think you can find something to do with him and keep him credible yeah. by doing that so I, I think agree. that that would be the way to go if I was booking that out um, we talked about the best match that we saw on Smackdown this week for my money the best match on Raw this week was easily Finn Balor and Cesaro yeah um, oh yeah that was good and as soon as I heard they were making that match, I was instantly semi-aroused because this is one of those internet. So was I, but for I want to say so was I, but for a completely different reason. Probably for the same reason my wife was. Uh, yeah, there she's you go. A big Finn Balor fan, um, particularly the the leaning on the ropes crotch shot right under the bag that they like to do. Your wife and I understand. We, we, we <laughs> we're on, we're on the same wavelength right there. There you go. Um, but in any event, I I thought the match was really good. It, it was sort of an indie dream match. Uh, I thought they did a really good job in the ring. I would have liked to see less kind of Hardy Boys involvement and all that stuff that went into it. I understand why they did it, right. um, but I would have liked to see it. Uh, but I thought some of the sequences were really good and really well-timed out, and a lot of those were very precision in terms of when things had to happen, and they pulled it all off really well. And at the end of the day, the singles guy beat the tag team guy. Right. Uh, so I think they told the story in exactly the way they needed to. Yeah, no, it's good. And it's one of those things where, you know, Again, they don't really have a really good story right now for Finn Balor, but they're still, I think with Finn, they're doing an okay job, and maybe it's just because it, Finn is so over that you could just put him in a match like this, and he doesn't necessarily have to have a story. Uh, it looks like they're kind of leaning toward Balor and the, what's the, the, the Drifter? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know if that's a match that's, that's made it to Great Balls of Fire or not. Yep, um, it is. It is? Okay, yeah. that's official. Well, uh, I, yeah, actually, I, you know what? I think that's probably going to end up being the kickoff show, but it hasn't been officially announced yet. So. Okay, okay, yeah. At so, least it's not on the Wikipedia page I pulled the matches off to. Okay, fair, fair enough. Um, and if they don't do it, you know, they could at least have some sort of backstage segment between the two yeah. or, you know, him coming out, uh, the drifter to, you know, rile up the crowd and, you know, getting Finn Balor just coming out there and beating the shit out of him would yeah. be a really good thing. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, it was a great match and, and I really enjoyed it. We got someone else on the side there, Matt Riley, who says, uh, I remember one of you two, wasn't me, uh, by the way. <laughs> no, we, uh, we don't we know for here. sure it wasn't Andy. <laughs> I haven't been on here in a while. One of you, uh, two weeks ago mentioned that Cass nervously repeated lines a few times when he was cutting the promo after he real, uh, sorry, revealed it was him. And I noticed that Enzo did the same. Uh, I don't remember that, but you know, again, probably, you know, these are not 
actors per se and mm-hmm. the current product is forcing them to memorize lines and going out there and, and and doing that and i think that hurts the product when you don't let some of these people be a little more off the cuff mm-hmm. especially the ones that are more capable like i bet enzo could be a little more off the cuff and and probably hold oh, yeah. his own yeah i don't know how much how much they write for enzo how much he goes with it It seems like a lot of enzo stuff is off the top of his head but um I, to me, that almost added a little something to it. Like, you felt like there was genuine hurt, and he almost lost his train yeah. of thought. He was so upset. I thought that almost added to it the way they did that. Uh, he also says, other than that, Enzo's promo was beautiful, and I'm excited to see their match at hashtag WWE balls. Me too, uh, Matt. Me too. And I think we all are. We're, we're as many balls as we can see on Sunday night. I think we're all excited for it. Right there with you. What did you think of the original uh, logo for Great Balls of Fire, Andy? Uh, did they ever change that? Yeah, they did change it. It's no longer oh, good. It's no good, longer because very that was a, a that balls. was a very large penis. Yes. <laughs> what was, was the inspiration for that logo? I kind of wonder. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're <laughs> thinking with this title. I don't know anything with the logo. It's just like they couldn't come up with anything. They couldn't use like. Isn't there already? Wasn't there like an, a WCW summer based one? Uh, bash at the beach. Bash at the beach. Couldn't they have done that? Well, I guess they're not gonna be at a beach, but you know, it's. I, I was always a fan something. of the Great American Bash. I think that would have. They, been... they could have done that. It's, yeah. it's it's in it's close enough to the Fourth of July. Yeah. Like literally, they could have done Great American Bash, and that would have been fine with me. Agreed. Get rid of those great balls of fire. Agreed. Uh, and actually, it's funny because you mentioned a word that stuck in my head there for a second when you said title, and balls. I, I, you know, I. Well, balls always stick in my head. But uh, <laughs> when you said title, it reminded me of a point I wanted to bring up earlier, and I, and I totally let it slip out of my head. And I know I keep going back to it, but to me it's the best thing they got going right now. But Samoa Joe and, and Brock Lesnar, and the other part of that that, that that I forgot to mention earlier, is that as far as I can remember, this is the first time I've re- legitimately cared about a universal title match. I will say, outside of outside of Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, because there was the intrigue of will they put it on Finn Balor in his first match kind of thing, uh, first pay-per-view match, I thought that was good. But other than that, you look at it since then, uh, what do we Kevin Owens feuding with Seth Rollins for it. Eh, eh, I, I had high expectations. It fell painfully short of those high expectations. Uh, and then you, know, you ended up with Kevin Owens and, and Roman Reigns. And then it was Kevin Owens and Goldberg, and it was Goldberg and Lesnar. This is the first time I'm looking at a universal title match and being excited to see it. And I think that's that's big for that title. I will one-up you on that. And I will say that this is the first time that I think I'm actually interested in a Brock Lesnar match. Uh, and that is saying a lot for me because my Brock Lesnar hate is pretty high up there. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually excited. I want to see this match. And to get me interested at all in Brock Lesnar... You know, and hopefully they won't let me down, or let, not they, but Lesnar will let me down. But uh, I, I am looking forward to it. And we touched on earlier the uh, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman incident, so I don't think we need to get into too much of that. No, um, probably not. But what I, what I, one thing I particularly do want to mention is that the, that whole thing came about at the end of the Braun Strowman and Apollo Crews match. Yeah, yeah. Which contained one of the best goddamn spots I've ever seen in my life, which was... Apollo Crews has him down, and he's going for his standing moonsault. Oh, yeah. I was trying to think of what you were getting at, but yes. Oh, my God. And typically, that's a spot where a guy gets his knees up, maybe rolls out of the way. No, no, no. Not Strowman. Braun just picks his legs up and legit in midair kicks Apollo Crews halfway across the ring like he was playing kickball in a schoolyard. I and legit, this is not Heath Slater. This is no, no. this is Apollo Cruz. This is a big dude, right? And I, I I can't remember the last time I legit jumped out of my chair and went, "Holy shit!" to a match on Monday Night Raw. I did that yeah. for that. 
you could tell, like, even the commentators, Corey Graves was like, oh, my God, like, he marked out yeah. at that moment. So, like, it was, that was a big moment in that match. Yeah, that was dangerous as hell. And yeah. thankfully, Apollo was, was okay. To Apollo for yeah. wanting to even go for it. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? To, to Apollo's credit, he went for it because it's the type of thing we're sitting here talking about right now. And when's the last time we talked about Apollo Cruz in any kind of a... Oh, uh, uh, no, we're, we haven't. Good formula. So, I... I Hat on, hats off to them for that spot because that was amazing. Very much like that. Uh, Cedric Alexander and Noam Dar continued their story. It really doesn't seem to oh, end. Yeah, I don't really care. I, I'm a big fan of Cedric. I, no I think he's really being wasted on this and the whole Alicia Fox thing. I think Cedric could be doing much more. So that's sort of a disappointment. But yeah, I don't want to go too. That's the problem with 205 Live in general and their stars. So. Yeah, I don't want to go too deep into that. But yeah, let's uh, we have two topics that kind of bleed together because on SmackDown, we had uh, Miss Money in the Bank, Carmella, come out for her mm-hmm. Carmella-bration, which I thought was a nice little touch, uh, along with James Ellsworth. Uh, again, I think Carmella's mic work over the last month or so has just really gone way up. I don't know if she's mm-hmm. just paying more attention to it, if she's really beyond... Ellsworth, by the way, has really done wonders for the Carmella character, too. He's doing a great job. Oh, he's doing a great job of being there, being the little lap dog for the pretty girl. Uh, I think it's tremendous. I think it's. I'm I'm kind of. I'm kind of over Ellsworth. I'm. I think if they continue to use him as they were before, I would absolutely agree with you. But the way they've transitioned him into. You don't see male valets for female wrestlers very often. And I love that touch. I, I think that the month suspension will be good. Like. For people like me who are, he grates on me so much to the point where it's like it's not inter- it gets to the point where mm-hmm. it's not entertaining for me. Yeah. So I think that here's what's going to happen. I think he's going to disappear for a month, and then when that month is up, that's when he's going to show back up, and that's when she's going to cash in, and that's how she's going to get the title with his help again. You know, and and I think and I think because that's going to build so much more heel heat mm-hmm. that she again won the title because of Ellsworth, and yep. it's going to look like oh well she's not going to have a chance and maybe even like you know show a few moments of, of weakness with her by herself um you know but yeah i, I think that that's that's ultimately what they're going to do maybe i'm wrong but yeah i i think that it's time to get ellsworth on tv just for a little while just to kind of give us a little bit of breathing room maybe give carmella a little bit of time to stretch you know on her own and see what she can do uh you know without that but yeah it's uh, the way um, i yeah, see, the way I envision them doing this now is with Ellsworth suspended for 30 days, and that's that's what we didn't get to. Uh, Brian came out during their promo and basically announced, you know, suspending him for 30 days, fining him $10,000. I don't know how he'll ever afford to pay that. Um, but, yeah, I think during that 30-day period, what you're going to see probably from a storytelling perspective is Carmella's going to lose every match she's in. Uh, and they're going to tell the story that she's not capable of winning without Ellsworth there. And that will probably, again, lead to him returning when she cashes in. Like you mentioned, I think that would be a great storytelling device and a great way Absolutely. to get there. Um, great now, heel whether we get there soon or not sort of became a little bit of a uh, question mark in my mind this week when Naomi debuted a brand-new women's championship belt. That's true. Same design, but all – the kids like to say stuff is lit. Well, her belt is definitely lit. <laughs> it uh, is. It is very uh, fluorescent. There are lights adorning it. And they, they redid the faceplate, too, because they put yeah, they a light did. right in the middle. Very similar. And you might remember this, Andy, because you kind of grew up around the same time I did. But when I'm watching that light kind of go mm-hmm. around the W, all I could think about was the kit from Knight Rider with the light yes. flashing back and yes. forth across the front of the car. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> Wholeheartedly. Uh, but it was funny because Troy and I on the show a couple months ago had a whole conversation about how Naomi's entrance would be so much better if her belt glowed because she yeah. comes out and you can't see it. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to 
say that I've told people that Shane listens to the show in the past, but hey, we have Maybe a couple. Someone we ha- does. We have a downloader from Stanford, Connecticut. That's all I'm saying. Um, <sighs> but yeah, so they, they they went to some expense to redo that belt in that way, I imagine. Right. Uh, so how quickly they're going to have her take that belt off, given the, how much money they put into it? I don't know. We're going to have to find out. But that almost speaks to me like we're going to have at least another month or so of her with the title to make it worth the expense of changing the belt. I know, I, Adam, I know Adam hates that belt. What are your thoughts on it? I like it. I mean, but then again, I have been a huge fan of Naomi since she got this glow gimmick. I, you know, if if I'm, oftentimes I watch, I'll watch SmackDown kind of quickly and Raw kind of quickly because I don't have a, I mean, right now there's time I have a lot of time, but normally I don't have a lot of time during the week when I'm work, when I'm working. So sometimes I'll be grading while I'm kind of watching it. I won't pay attention, but anytime I hear her music kick, mm-hmm. like, like kind of play, my attention is on the screen because her entrance always blows me away. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it does. Maybe I'm just simple minded and I like colors, but like, <laughs> it's, it's great. I like her, you know, you know, she's really come a long way since when she first debuted with her in-ring ability. I think it's great that they're giving her a run with the title. Um, and yeah, I, I, I have a problem with, I think, you know, how quickly she's been beating Lana for the fact that Lana is very over with the fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I kind of wanted to see a little more competitiveness, although I like how Lana has been like, oh, no, 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 my shoulder was up. I need another rematch. And it's just <laughs> she's really playing the heel very, very well. Right. Um, so I don't know where they go from here. If they if they go with, you know, it looks like maybe her versus Tamina is maybe the next thing they're going to do to kind of give her like an in-between. Yeah, or Tamina is going to train Lana, something like that. I don't know where they're entirely going with it, but. They didn't. They they brought it up on Talking Smack, but they're not really on the main broadcast that they were in Team Bad together. I thought that was a little bit of a failure oh, of commentary yeah. to tell people that and remind them of that storyline that they were partners at one point. Um, but yeah, I you talked you talked about the entrance, and I think that really has done wonders for Naomi. Oh, God, I mean, yes. it's given her her personality, her character, yeah. her definition. And here's the thing that I think gets lost a lot of the time. That entrance and her persona, I think, has really endeared her to that audience they were hoping to get with the Bailey character, but they so mishandled that character that she doesn't even have those little girls cheering for her like that anymore. They've sort of gone over to Naomi, who's kind of a cooler version of that. Uh, So I think that's that's really good on her. She's done a heck of a job. I'm not as huge a fan of her in-ring work. I don't think she's as bad as Troy thinks she is. But I don't think, you know, you look at a roster where she's she's on the same roster as a Charlotte or a Becky Lynch, who I think are far superior in-ring performers. Um, But sometimes, look at The Rock. You don't always have to be the best in-ring performer if you've got a gimmick that That the fans care about. And I think that's what she's hit on. She's touched on a very good nerve. Absolutely. I agree. 100%. We also had uh, another segment of Mike and Maria and the... The power of love being interrupted again by Sami Zayn. So much power in this love, Andy, that it knocked the cameras out. I love Sami's... I mean, okay, they're not using Sami very well. However, I love the goofy, Hmm. like... Like, I'm just a nice guy. And man, love is great, isn't it, Sami Zayn? You know, I like that. See, I don't mind that. I hate when they get into the Larry David stuttering, rambling, Woody Allen Sami Zayn. I will agree with that. But... You probably have more. I don't follow indie wrestling or anything not WWE as much as 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 like you or some of the other people on the show. Mm-hmm. So like I know Maria obviously from her time in mm-hmm. uh, WWE. I saw Maria a little bit in TNA. Mm-hmm. I don't know much of anything about this guy Mike Kanellis. I know he's supposed to be really good. If that is the case, if I heard correctly and he is good, 
they're not doing a lot at this point to make me care about him. But then again, I don't know. If you get him a really, if you continue to build this and then he can deliver a really good match with Sami Zayn, that might change my mind. But I don't know. I, it's it's interesting. Well, you came to the right place because Mike Bennett is a local guy, uh, competes. He actually still trains down in Providence at the XWA Center. Uh, really good dude, a uh, guy I've been a fan of, and, and I think Adam's worked shows with him in the past as well. Um, just a great all-around guy, works his ass off. Uh, so I'm very happy for him that he's getting this break. Uh, he did spend some time in TNA. He touched on that. Uh, big sort of rose to national prominence in Ring of Honor, uh, where he's part of the kingdom with uh, Taven and, uh, God, I'm totally blanking on the other guy. Uh, this is I'm not a Ring of Honor guy. I did manage to watch like a couple episodes of Ring of Honor like, a couple months ago because it was randomly on TV when I was in a hotel room. But yeah, yeah, there was three of them, and I'm totally. I, I apologize to whoever it is because I know I'm forgetting somebody. That's obvious okay. that I, I shouldn't forget. The, fan, the fans probably know who you're talking about. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but in any event, so so he rose to prominence there. Got a good deal with TNA to go in with him and Maria, and I thought they were the best thing on that show for a good long stretch of time. Um, Maria is just top notch as a performer on a microphone. You you can't get much better than what Maria brings to the table these days. Um, but in terms of their WWE use, it's often been said by a lot of people, myself and people way smarter than me that, uh, Mike Bennett has always worked a WWE style, but not in the WWE. So we're all kind of very interested to see how it plays out now that he's there. I think we're all expecting big things out of them. Uh, this is clearly the introductory period for these two characters, but I think a good opening program with Sammy, where they come out on top, could do wonders for making this a legitimate thing. And I think it's going to benefit him a lot when you actually get to see him in the ring. So Yeah, I think I, I just need to see him. And I could go out there and look for his matches, but I don't know. I kind of want to be surprised, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of want to be that, like, dumb WWE fan who doesn't yeah. know this indie guy and kind of see what he does, especially if he gets a match with Sami Zayn right off the bat. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, exactly. We'll see We'll see how it plays out. I like the idea of what they're doing. Uh, one thing I haven't been crazy about is the fact that we are once again getting another match between Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal, this time in the fabled Punjabi prison. Uh, why? <laughs> why? Now, okay. Oh, God. Okay. I haven't been on the show in a while, so I want to just start by saying I'm okay with Jinder Mahal being champion. I kind of like it. Uh, now, him going against Randy Orton every time, not a fan. Um, and especially, okay, I get that, like, okay, so he went over uh, on Father's Day or whatever and in front of, like, Randy's dad, so Randy... If you're going to tell that story, yeah, you're going to need at least one more match. Mm -hmm. Throw it on SmackDown the next night and get it over with and use that to build another person uh, to kind of face gender. You know, it's, you know, even if it's John Cena, I don't care. But like, I I don't know. In this, in this cell match, I'm not looking forward to it. Here's the problem, though. You're one pay-per-view away from SummerSlam and they're not going to want to do a repeat at SummerSlam if they can help it. So they want. Whatever they're doing at SummerSlam, the, the working theory is Cena uh, versus Mahal, but they're not going to want to give that away at the battleground before SummerSlam. True. So uh, this is a placeholder. There's an existing feud. You don't need to build. You throw the Punjabi prison and you add a different element to it, and you give Jinder a little more credibility with a third straight win over you know 13-time WWE champion, uh, and then you keep the match at SummerSlam fresh. I sort of understand what they're doing. What I will say was I thought on SmackDown this week you saw something you don't see very often, but when you do, it's great. And that is a fully engaged 
uh, an energetic Randy Orton. Yeah, it's true. Uh, he, was. he was. He he had fire behind what he said. He had passion and believability. He wasn't just slowly meandering through his lines and trying to intimidate you with the cadence of his voice. He was he was on point. I thought Jinder was a nice compliment, a nice foil to to what Randy was doing. Mm-hmm. I love Jinder's entrance. One of my favorites. Oh, me too. I think it's great. And I love the fact that he's playing the uh, he's playing that heel champion who people the the fans are going to be like, well, he doesn't deserve the title, and he plays into it by having bodyguards that do all the work for him. Right. It you know I like that. I think that's great. Yeah, see, I would have really enjoyed had they just left it at him playing the nobody believed in me, you guys never believed in me, you blah blah blah. Rather than playing the anti-American thing and you hate me because I'm Indian because that's yes. not really a okay, thing. I agree with that. Yeah, um, but. You know, it yeah, is what it is. Exactly. It's it's sort of cheap heat that they're going for, and now they're doing it, like I said earlier, with three different guys, which sort of takes away from it for me. Uh, but I think they've done a very good job of hiding Jinder's limitations in the ring with his matches, uh, the Singh brothers being a big, big part of hiding that. Uh, I think they've done a nice job with this feud with Randy. I'm not horribly upset that we have to see it one more time. I'd prefer something fresh and different, but I understand why they're doing it this way. Hey, this and, is fresh and different, man. Look at those. And look, for, look at that structure. Well, and for the first time, we're going to get a Punjabi prison match where we have two guys who can actually work a fair. decent, decent work rate. That's uh, fair. We're not. We don't have the great colleague in this one, so right. maybe, just maybe, this one will turn out okay. There's no big show in there. There's no Undertaker. There's no Kali. It's right. it's not big lumbering guys. It's two guys that can actually get in there and and tell an interesting story. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I'm hoping for something good, and you never know. Maybe we'll get uh, Mister Money in the Bank cashing in that night. I sort of doubt it, but you never know. I could totally yeah. see Orton winning that title and Corbin cashing in. That wouldn't shock me in, in the least. Well, since we're out of WWE topics, basically, I, and you just mentioned Money in the Bank, I do want to talk about something that I'm sure you talked about last week. Uh, and I don't know, because again, I didn't I didn't get the chance to listen to the episode. However, my thoughts on last week's ladder match, uh, or yeah, it was yeah, last week's ladder match, the women's rematch, mm-hmm. which by the way, again, that SmackDown, Opening video hypes up so many amazing things, and it just doesn't deliver. That ladder match was boring. Nothing exciting happened. It it was, it was slow. It was plodding. They used one ladder the whole time. It it felt safe. It felt you know it, it felt drawn out. I was really let down with that. I just wanted to, to throw that in before we move on. That's sort of the spot you find yourself in because the women aren't going to take the kind of risks the men take in those ladder matches. So you're then gonna don't have... give them two ladder matches. But I will say this, I, I enjoyed the match at the pay-per-view more than the match on yes. SmackDown. If you took the match at the pay-per-view with the ending on SmackDown, I think you'd have had a much better, stronger performance all around. Um, I thought there were some good spots. I, I think on the on the TV they were trying to you know pop a rating, and they did. They had their highest rating for quite a oh, while. It's true. So I, but then I, they I don't deliver, and that's what pisses me off. Yeah, but I mean, you got to also remember from a performance standpoint, these these women are not used to that kind of physicality that they did at the pay per view, and yeah. then to ask them so to do it tired. two days yeah. later, You're right. it's, it's a big toll on the body. So I think yeah, they probably did play that second match a little bit safer, but I totally understand why. 
Uh, should we go on to NXT real quick? Yeah, we can do that because this week, we're, the, the one standout this week from NXT for me uh, was the NXT Championship match. We had Roderick Strong and Bobby Roode, Bobby Roode defending it. Uh, not a huge Roddy guy. I mean, I've always liked his work, but his char- char- there's no real charisma there. There's no real personality. I'll agree uh, with you with that, yeah. He's, he's always been a lot better when he's worked a heel persona than a face persona. He just has a hard time, I think, connecting with how to get fans to cheer for him. Um in order to do that and to offset that that struggle that he has, they've sort of implemented the family man angle with him, with his wife and his kid. And so his wife was sitting at ringside for this match, just tugging at the heartstrings just a little bit more. Uh, Bobby Roode made it a point to kind of interact with her and, and taunt her throughout the match. Uh, they they told they had a really good match. The work was great in the ring. They had back and forth as you'd expect because these are two world class performers. Uh, they got in there. Roddy hits his backbreaker. Goes into the pin, gets the three, referee comes out. Oh, Rude put his foot under the ropes. I didn't see it till after the three, which I don't know has ever been a thing. I, I, you <laughs> know, but in any event, Roddy goes out, doesn't see the referee, goes out to celebrate with his wife. They're hugging. They're referee trying to tell him. Rude cheap shots him, throws him back in the ring. No, uh, right in front of his wife, says something to her, then DDTs him on the floor, throws him back in the ring, hits the glorious DDT, gets the pinfall. I thought this right. was really good storytelling. Um, I've said all along I think Drew McIntyre is going to be the guy at Brooklyn, but the way they sort of ended this leads me to believe that this isn't the end of this story, so maybe we're looking at a triple threat to headline, you know, take over in Brooklyn this year. I don't know. We're going to have to see how that plays out, but uh, for the first time, I really found myself caring about Roddy in this in this match, in this program. I think they've done a very good job with him, uh, and this match was a great culmination of what they've been doing. See, I'm behind. Uh, I'm going to take your, kind of take your word for it. Well, so I just spoiled the entire. Uh, no, no, it's fine. Yeah. Whatever. I, <laughs> I see things anyway. Like I, where I'm at right now. Like I watch. I'll watch like the takeovers and stuff usually. Yeah. Uh, to kind of so I so I know kind of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know I'm I'm back where like Sanity's just debuted. So I'm ah. I'm a little ways back. Uh, so, <laughs> so you know, summer's your catch up time, right? Exactly. I'll, I'll I'll get caught up eventually. But you know it's it's it sounds like a good match, and I I love Bobby Roode. I think Bobby yeah. Roode is fantastic. So. Yeah. You know, keep him as champion for now and, and let him keep doing what he's doing. Yeah, I, don't let this uh, sway you in any way when you watch the Bobby Roode-Nakamura match. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you. Bobby okay. Roode wins. Uh, <gasps> Shocker. <laughs> so we've, we've touched on a lot of the WWE stuff, but there were two major events uh, in the last week that were non-WWE related. I don't know if you saw any saw or heard anything about Absolutely any of them. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Okay, so a, a little bit about TNA. I know that there's something with like Jeff Jarrett's in control now or something, and Global yeah. Force is kind of a part of it or something. I don't yeah, know. they've merged Global Force with TNA. They're going to keep the Global Force name as the company name. Are they going to uh, call it Global Force Impact then and get rid of TNA? Impact that's so is childish gonna, and dumb. Yeah, Impact is going to be the name of the weekly television show. Good. The pr- well, that's the good. Promotion Scrub is going to be the TNA GFW. thing completely. I think yes. it'd be great. That's the plan. The problem is people are still going to call it TNA. It's just well, so ingrained in people. They still um, call the WWE events pay-per-views, but true. you know, pay-per-view buys really aren't the, the draw anymore. No, no. It's a network event. But uh, they did hold their big event, Slammiversary, this past week. Uh, some some notable things to come out of it, uh, including, I know you were a fan, I, th- I believe you'd said you were a fan of the, the Hardy's Broken gimmick back in the yeah, TNA I days. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, they sort of used a lot of those elements in the announcer tag team match, which was basically, um, you had Jeremy Borash teaming with Joseph Park, a.k.a. Abyss, uh, to take on, uh, what's his name, Josh Matthews and his partner, Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner. Well, um, and on letting paper, Josh Matthews Russell. Yes. And on paper, 
I think every one of us looked at it and went, what the fuck are they doing here? Like, what is this for? But they, they weaved it together, much like the Broken Universe. They, they left the ringside area. They had pre-taped skits that were just humorous. Uh, Shark Boy got involved at one point. Wait, Father, Shark Boy still Shark, a thing? Shark Boy was a thing in this show. Oh uh, at a certain point, Father James Mitchell showed up, which I was a mark for. I'm a big Father James Mitchell guy. Uh, and gives uh, Joseph Park the Abyss Mask. Then he shows up as Abyss. It was a really fun match, uh, complete with a thumbtack spot where Abyss hits the choke slam on Josh onto the thumbtacks. Credit to announcer for taking a thumbtack spot. Jeremy Borash does a frog splash onto Matthews on the tacks. Jesus so Christ. much so that Borash got the tacks all in his hands. And if you go back and watch, he almost goes into immediate shock as he hits him. <sighs> To the point oh where he God. had to roll over and Abyss had to make the cover, which I think was supposed to be for Borash. But he was so flustered by the thumbtacks that he, he couldn't even make the cover. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was a really interesting, fun match in a way so, that so I— So was it like—so when you say broken style, was it like pre-taped kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, a lot of backstage okay. stuff. They ended up in a hotel fighting in a pool and— <laughs> There's a lot of wacky off the cuffs. Uh, at one point, uh, Matthews and Steiner are chasing them in a golf cart. Yeah, there's just a lot of crazy stuff. You can probably find it on the internet somewhere. For, uh, we'll have to look that uh, up actually and go check that out. And you know, Steiner was Steiner played his part really well, which was kind of entertaining. Uh, but also on the same show, and, and so here was my biggest problem with the show. And I I'm a I'm a fan of Eddie Edwards. Uh, he came up through here. I've done shows with them. Good guy. His wife's great. Um, that said, they went into a full metal mayhem match immediately following this match. And that match had a bunch of thumbtack spots too. And I kind of feel like whoever put the show together needed to distance yeah, the matches oh yeah, absolutely. with the thumbtack spots. I think it really kind of took away from it. Uh, so that was, that was a down portion for me. They had uh, Del Rio uh, or Patron, I should say, yeah. uh, and Bobby Lashley in the main event for the unified title. Not my favorite match ever. Uh, I think they kind of screwed the build on this when on his first night in the company, they had Patron beat Lashley clean and then sort of go, oh, well, the referee made a mistake, so I'll give him his title back. It just kind of took away from the whole thing for me. I think they would have been much better to not have them fight at all than build to this match, but they didn't do it. Uh, James Storm collapsed during a match as part of the storyline. Don't know where they're going to go with that. We'll find out. But EC3 got the win as a result. Uh, but Nina brings it up on the side, so I'll, I'll, I'll mention it now. Uh, NFL running back D'Angelo Williams teamed with Moose in a match against, uh, I believe it was, oh, God, who was it? I'm a fan of this guy, too. I forget what his TNA name is. Uh, but it was Chris Adonis, the former masterpiece Chris Masters oh. in WWE, and well, his partner. A job. Yeah, no, and his partner, uh, the namer of Dummies, uh, God, I forget his name now. Why am I blanking on this? I'm having a rough night. Uh, I, I really am. I'm forgetting. And I wish names. I could help you, but I, I don't follow a lot of wrestling. People, <laughs> I, so. I am forgetting people's names left and right. Uh, it'll come to me at some point. But in any event, uh, D'Angelo Williams, who now, in retrospect, the stories come out, and this is coming from Moose and Jeremy Borash, so who knows uh, if it's true. But the story that they're portraying is that D'Angelo Williams basically um, practiced wrestling and, and trained for three days prior to this match, and he looked every bit 
the professional wrestler as anyone else in this match. He was tremendous. Everything was really crisp. He did a good job. Everything looked legit. His selling was on point. His bumps were great. Uh, they had one spot at the end where the table didn't break on him. He went for a frog splash. The table didn't break. He kind of went ass over tea kettle and almost. Uh, Eli Drake. Thank you, Nina Marie. Eli Drake is the other guy. I knew I started with an E, and I kept getting stuck on Ethan thinking Ethan Carter. Um, but uh, so thank you, Nina. I appreciate you bailing me out on that one. Uh, but the uh, he went ass over tea kettle and almost kind of did the uh, bend yourself backwards over, which would have really been bad for his NFL career, I'm thinking. Um, Probably true. Not so. I don't think it was so much his fault. I think that Moose kind of positioned the guy on the table incorrectly. I have to go back and watch it again to be sure. But uh, I was very, very entertained by what he did. I did not expect to be, um, but it was it was good. It was a nice little nice little match and fun to watch. And and I haven't seen a non wrestler celebrity come in and look as good in the ring as D'Angelo Williams did. So hats off to him. And especially if he did it with only three days of training, that just speaks to the tremendous athleticism he has. Yeah. Um, so that was great. Uh, you had the unified the knockouts title. Sienna defeated Rosemary, and you know it was sort of a lackluster match. Nothing too great. And unfortunately, they had uh, what's her name, Laurel Van Ness, get involved, which I think took away from the whole thing. And Gail Gail Kim was in there because now she's back for another last run. Who knows? But. <laughs> Just, uh, but all in all, it was a show I didn't expect to really enjoy that much that I actually did. So hats off to TNA for for putting together a nice show uh, with Slammiversary. But then the big one, I think a lot of people who are talking about this uh, throughout the country, was the event that took place last weekend, Saturday and Sunday night in L.A. Uh, it was the New Japan Pro Wrestling, the first time they'd ever had a fully produced international event here in the U.S., uh, everything was there, so they weren't piggybacking on a Ring of Honor show. Uh, and I think they made a lot of fans out of people who weren't f- who weren't familiar with the product before. They put on a great show across these two days. Um, for my t- for my for my enjoyment, a little bit too much of the six man eight man tag stuff. But that's sort of the WrestleMania Vince McMahon. Hey, this is a big show for us. Let's showcase as many of our people right. as we can. Get them all on the show, kind of deal. Uh, but there were some really tremendous matches. Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Okada was really, really good. I really liked what they did in that. I'm a big fan of Okada, so I, I very much enjoyed that match. Uh, my boy Hanson, Todd Hanson, uh, one half. I thought you of, meant like the, the the '90s boy band. No, no, no. Uh, one half of War Machine. They recaptured the IWGP Tag Team Championships, defeating the Gorillas of Destiny in another good match. So congrats to Todd. Uh, looking forward to hopefully getting to sit down with him for the sit down in, in coming months, uh, if we can ever coordinate our schedules. Uh, but he had a he had a great showing, a great night. Him and his partner Raymond Rowe did a good job capturing these IWGP Tag Championships for the second time. Uh, we also had uh, the U.S. Title Tournament, which featured some really tremendous matches, uh, culminating with the finals on the last night of the event, which will be on Access TV this coming Friday, if you want to check it out, if you have access to Access TV, no pun intended. Uh, it's definitely worth a look. They run the whole three hours. Uh, there was a Young Bucks match that was really good as well. Uh, but the final match, if you like if you like Japanese wrestling, if you like hard-nosed style, if you like MMA even, I think you'll really be into this because Kenny Omega went one-on-one with Ishii, and this match was just as physical as all hell. Great match. They went about a half hour. Uh, it's the second match of the night for both of them. Just beat the crap out of each other, and it's one you want to go check out. Uh, New Japan is making a lot of waves, getting a lot of headlines. 
I'm making a lot of new fans in the United States these days. So we'll see what they end up doing. I think they need a more local presence to be really a competitor to the WWE. Absolutely. In fact, after this show, they said they'll be back for another show in April. To me, that's way too long to wait between oh, God, shows. Yeah. That's No, yeah. People lose interest or, or you know, you got a lot of time where storylines are going to change. Right, exactly. Uh, but uh, to me, one of, the spark, one of the problems I had with the show, because there were production issues, because... And, and, and watching shows like this, sometimes you realize exactly how good the WWE production guys are at what they do. Uh, I think we take it for granted sometimes, but there were some production issues with this. But my biggest issue, and I say this, it pains me to say this because I was a huge fan, uh, always have been a huge fan of Jim Ross, but listening to him call this on, on Access, I felt like he really couldn't have been more disinterested in what he was calling. He didn't seem to know... At one point, Jay Lethal hits his finisher called the Lethal Injection. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ross didn't even know what to call it, just a handspring into a cutter uh, for the one, two. Oh, he got him a three. Just no energy to his call this time around. And I don't know if this is a thing because he's now signed back to the WWE. This was one of his last events for New Japan where he's just kind of a lame duck and didn't have it. I don't know if this is residual from losing his wife where he's not quite you know, himself lately. Right. But this just didn't feel like a Jim Ross call. It was his voice, but it felt like it was somebody else doing it. There was just no energy or passion behind it, which I think just kind of took it away from it for me. Yeah, maybe he, you know, there might be too. Maybe he wasn't expecting to, you know, call this sort of thing, but they, you know, maybe it was like a last minute sort of thing. Oh, no, no. He's been been on schedule to do this for a long time. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, sometimes you have a, sometimes, you know, there are a lot of other things that that go into that, but yeah, that is kind of strange. He is, Unfortunately, he's getting. I love Jim Ross. Jim Ross is my favorite, like one of my favorite all-time W like wrestling personalities. And you know, maybe he's just maybe calling matches is just kind of getting to be too much for him at this point. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but hopefully he uh, rebounds and he'll be back with WWE soon. He's gonna be calling the May Young Classic along with Lita. So hopefully, oh, that's cool. hopefully he'll bring that energy. Uh, that's going to pretty much kill it, I think, for our discussion topics for today. Yeah, oh, I think Nina, so too. Nina on the side, Kenny Omega versus Michael Elgin. Yes, that was another great one. Uh, and Jay Lethal all had good matches. Yeah, the, the whole show I thought was really good. There were some, like I said, there were some uh, some up and down points for me, but it was largely up. And I think I think uh, New Japan made themselves a lot of new fans that night and good on them for doing so. Uh, that's going to bring us, so for those of you who follow the rundown, you know that we have our weekly fantasy league. Uh, this week, for the first time, our fantasy league was won by Raccoon Reigns. He came out of the trash can last week and right into the winner's circle. How does he have a cell phone? I I, I think he just uses Romans. I think that's all. That's what okay. it is when he's not okay. around, when go. he's in a shower or something. Um, he, just, he just goes to, like, local libraries. He's, like, one of those people that's, like, sitting down at the computer. He's, you walk by and you don't, like... You know, you've been to a library. You don't really think twice about the people who are in there. So, like, you know, there's a little raccoon just typing away. It is possible. His his email address is still at geocities.com. So, yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. But in any event, he did send along his topic that he would like us to discuss by virtue of winning. So we'll go ahead and do that. And his topic was, if you were booking WWE as of this moment, what would be your main event for WrestleMania 34? It's not limited to Raw or SmackDown. You can move guys from either show or have interbrand matches. So I have mine, uh, and for me, the main event for WrestleMania, and then this is actually a legitimate possibility that this is the way they're going to go. We'll kind of see how it plays out over the next few months. I want the main event of WrestleMania to be John Cena versus Roman Reigns for the championship. And I say that because 
that story at WrestleMania, you could tell, was Cena going for that record-breaking 17th championship and Roman Reigns' sort of redemption at WrestleMania where he's kind of had he had that title moment stolen from him by Seth Rollins a few years back. And the overriding story of what the fuck do the fans do in that match? Cause they yeah, I was going to say, do you, want, do you want a match where the fans just like... Absolutely, because I want to force those fuckers explode. to make a choice, Andy. I want them to have to choose. I want them to have to cheer for someone they don't you, usually cheer for. You run the risk, though. You run the risk if you if you make the fans choose with two people who are very polarizing to then they won't care and they'll boo just the entire time. You well, run that risk. Right now that with both of them, you get half the crowd chanting for them, half them chanting against them. They'll just, the guy that's chanting against them will cheer for the other guy. It'll still be 50, 50. I think the atmosphere would be off the charts for that match. You don't think there's any overlap with like the people who ate Cena or, or they're, they're, those are the people going to like Roman. Like, I don't know, but I'm willing to find no. out. I think, I think it would be, <laughs> I think it would be a great story. And, and both of these guys are at the top of their game in terms of in ring right now. Uh, and I just think it's the biggest, match we haven't seen that we can be presented with at WrestleMania. I think we're also going to have Nakamura and AJ. I think that's going to be something they're going to do as well. Uh, but I, Cena, Cena and Roman's the main event for me. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know. That's, you know, I've I kind of been looking at this question this entire time and uh, I'm kind of stuck on what I, what I really want to see as a main event. I guess, you know, I want to see maybe... Maybe Finn Balor Nakamura, but th- but did they do that in NXT? Was that a thing in NXT or not? Yes. Uh, well, they did have a match on on NXT TV at one point. You know, I, I I would like to see that maybe for like a like a like a SmackDown World Title, uh, okay. World Heavyweight Title, whatever. Um, you know, that would be really good. You know, maybe something maybe something with Seth. You know, back as a heel. Um, you know, with with someone he hasn't wrestled. I don't know. That's I guess those two. Those two would be my those two guys. Could be a really cool main event if they did a lot to build it up. Yeah, well, that's an interesting, uh, interesting choice. Uh, if you have uh, any suggestions, feel free to send them to the contact info. We'll give you at the end of the show, and we can read them next week. Um, so that's going to do it for that stuff. That's just going to bring us right to my favorite part because it's my segment. It's the news section on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. And leading off our news this week, Kyrie Hojo, who is one of the top women's wrestlers in the world, announced Friday that she has signed with NXT and will compete in the Mae Young Classic. She will also be wrestling under her new WWE name, Kyrie Sane. Uh, Sane broke the news in a video message that played on the big screen inside the Sumo Hall this, on last Friday's WWE Live event in Tokyo, Japan. Sane has wrestled for five years and was a multi-time champion in the Japanese women's wrestling promotion Stardom. Nicknamed the Pirate Princess in her home country of Japan, her pirate persona is inspired by her background in yachting. Before entering wrestling, Sane competed in the Yachting World Championship, which I didn't even know was a thing. Uh, Neither did I. And was considered an Olympic hopeful. Uh, joining her are two other international wrestlers, Dakota Kai, a.k.a. Evie of New Zealand, and Piper Neven, a.k.a. Vapor of Scotland, as well as NXT superstar Bianca Belair, who won a qualifying match to earn her berth in the Mae Young Classic. Uh, today, the additions this week have brought the total number of confirmed Mae Young Classic entrants to 14. The other names we can we have confirmed are Tessa Blanchard, uh, NXT superstar Sarah Logan, a.k.a. Uh, Crazy Mary Dobson, uh, Tony Storm, NXT superstar Abby Lace, who was Kimberly on the indies, uh, NXT superstar Tynara Conti, uh, Princessa, Princessa Shughit, I don't know if that's any relation to Suge Knight, but I hope not. Uh, WWE NXT superstar Vanessa Bourne, Jazzy Gabbert, Kavita Devi, 
and Lacey Evans. Why can't they give these women regular names? I don't understand. Very complicated to pronounce. Uh, the tournament, as I said earlier, will be called by Jim Ross and Lita and will debut on the WWE Network Monday, August 28th, which happens to be my wife's birthday. So sorry, honey. Dinner plans are on hold. <laughs> or it's on the network and you can go to dinner and watch it later. Um, but it's uh, – they do a pirate gimmick. If there's a person with a pirate gimmick, God, I hope it's a good pirate gimmick because we've seen our fair share of really shitty pirate gimmicks. And I love pirates. So I, I, I'm all for that. Uh, May Young Classic, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I think that given the, how the other tournaments have gone, it could be very, very good. I think it's been far too long since on WWE TV we had a pirate who wanted to bang his sister. It's been <laughs> quite a while. Oh, God, no. Bad memories. <laughs> uh, the, we, talked, we touched a little bit on this, but the main event for SummerSlam may have been changed, according to a report by Dave Meltzer in the latest issue of Wrestling Observer. Uh, as seen on Raw, the Roman, Rain, uh, Roman Reigns challenged the winner of Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar uh, the match at Great Balls of Fire to a match at SummerSlam. According to Meltzer, he has confirmed that the main event of SummerSlam has been recently changed to Reigns versus Lesnar. The original plan for SummerSlam was for Lesnar to defend the championship against Braun Strowman. Uh, Lesnar would retain the championship and then lose it to Reigns at WrestleMania. Uh, with Reigns versus Lesnar scheduled to SummerSlam, it would appear that the WrestleMania 34 event has changed as well, although they could do a Reigns versus Lesnar match at the show still. Until yeah, WrestleMania without your world champion? Hmm. Holy shit. Uh, the idea, that would be dumb as hell. The idea could be to pull the trigger on a Reigns title win early so they have the Universal Champion as a regular on Raw television, which we kind of touched on earlier. Uh, or it could be part of a story they want to tell where Reigns doesn't win now and builds it to a Mania win. But oh, normally God, no. WWE doesn't put the planned Mania match on a pay-per-view before Mania. Uh, Meltzer also speculated with, that with John Cena declaring himself a free agent, WWE could decide to go with Reigns versus Cena, I agree, as the main event of WrestleMania 34. Uh, the most logical conclusion is that Reigns would win over Lesnar. Uh, I'm sorry, that a Reigns win over Lesnar would lead to a Reigns versus Cena WrestleMania main event. Given that Cena f as a, has declared himself a free agent who can work on both shows and was introduced at the same time as Lesnar versus Strowman match was changed. Uh, if Lesnar loses the title, that nicks his plans for Lesnar title defenses prior to next year's Mania with both Seth Rollins and Finn Balor both of which had been teased as of a few weeks ago. Lesnar versus Strowman could be saved for Mania or for the Rumble, and while the SummerSlam main event has changed, plans can always change again. As noted, everyone realizes how strong Samoa Joe has gotten over in the Lesnar feud, and that's true, so we'll see if maybe Joe finds himself in that mix going forward. Uh, for WrestleMania, which of those matches, we, we tie, I gave my logic for Cena and Roman, uh, Lesnar versus Reigns, Lesnar versus Roman, what, Lesnar versus Strowman. Which one of those kind of what's your whistle the most, Andy? Oh God, um, I don't know. Don't put Lesnar. Don't don't put Lesnar still his champion, not losing the belt. Okay, I can see maybe Lesnar comes back for one final title run after losing it at SummerSlam. I'm okay-ish with that. Uh, but honestly, is that like, is that like not, day one-ish? Yeah, kind of, okay. kind of. Uh, <laughs> But honestly, I'm not excited about any of those options. I'm just going to be straight up. I'm not that excited about any of those options. I want to see Finn Balor at WrestleMania fighting for the Universal title. That's what I want to see. All right. See, I'm very excited about the possibility of Reigns versus Cena. I think that's, that's a big money match. I think that's one of your 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 next big guy versus your, your current big guy. It's sort of a passing of the torch, Rock Hogan kind of moment. I think you could have that. 
but I don't, I don't know. I, unless they f- turn Roman full on heel at some point, I don't want Roman to is a heel. Next big guy. We have this discussion he, all the time. He is, he is a heel. Uh, he's already a heel. Yeah, he's kind of. He's a tweener, <laughs> and, I don't, and, and I'm not a huge fan of tweeners. God, they're all tweeners at this point. Uh, Kevin Owens is a heel who gets more great lines and laughs and you deserve it chance than Kevin Owens does. Come on. Uh, fair. Uh, former Impact Wrestling star Gunner made his NXT debut at last Thursday's live event in St. Petersburg, Florida, where he lost to No Way Jose and was billed under his real name, Chad Lyle, from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Gunner left Impact on June of 2015 and started and has recently started speculation on debuting with WWE as of May of this year. So, uh, were you ever a fan of Gunner in TNA? I didn't see a lot of Gunner. Uh, what I did see and hear about him, I wasn't too crazy about him. So I think he's got a good look, decent worker. You know, if packaged right and given the right thing, I think he could be a, a, a guy they could use. I think he would fit in nicely with Sanity. Uh, you know. I think that mm-hmm. might be a spot for him, but yeah, who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, Tyson Kidd has returned to work for WWE, but as a producer, uh, and he will be returning to Total Divas for the next season, which I know you're excited about, Andy. <laughs> I am uh, so excited. Kidd was backstage yeah. at this week's SmackDown, uh, but at, sorry, Raw and SmackDown, uh, but PW Insider adds that he was also backstage for both shows but did not produce any of the matches this week as he was there observing and watching the other producers to get a feel for the job, which would do a, a lot to indicate that uh, Tyson Kidd's in-ring career is over. And that, if so, that's that's a bummer because he was sort of, I think, just hitting his stride uh, he after he came up from NXT again, had that sort of rebirth down in NXT. He was teaming with Cesaro. They were having a great little run. Uh, and then just a errant uh, muscle buster, and then all of a sudden his career is over, and that's that's a really tough break for him. That's a shame. It's good that he's still going to have a job. You know, I think that you know, I I don't know enough of him and his mental capacity. Uh, you know, like like how 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 sharp he is to be someone working in the back, but you know, it's good for him. Um, why do you still have a show called Total Divas when you don't when you're trying to not call them divas anymore? I don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions here. We'll see how it kind of goes forward. <laughs> Uh, the aftermath of a chaotic scene on Raw involving LeVar Ball and sons Lonzo Jesus and LaMelo ended with the WWE issuing a statement late Monday night regarding a racial slur used by 15-year-old LaMelo. When LeVar oh. jumped around the ring and eventually taking his shirt off to confront the Miz, LaMelo used the slur twice on live microphone at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California. He was laughing throughout the segment, but the slur received attention on social media. Uh, quote, the inappropriate language used by a guest during the Miz TV segment was not scripted nor reflects the WWE's values, and quote, the WWE said in a statement to the Los Angeles Times. According to Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer, WWE officials backstage were immediately furious with the slur and wanted to rush out of the segment, Kevin Dunn in particular. The screw-ups regarding how the segment was scripted apparently started when LaMelo was supposed to get into the Miz's face when LeVar told him to handle his light work. What When that happened, Miz, thinking on his feet, went back to talking to LeVar. Dunn was already in a panic, so he ordered Dean Ambrose out about a minute earlier than originally planned as LeVar was running around with his shirt off. As Ambrose <laughs> came out, LaMelo said the words into a live mic, and WWE immediately cut his mic. Backstage in the production truck, people were freaking out, and the PR department was expecting a shitstorm, which didn't really happen. Yeah, yeah. 
WWE's original plan for the Ball family was to be at ringside during the six-man tag match and perhaps get involved in some form, but they were quickly taken to the back. Uh, officials expected LeVar to have a smoother promo and for Lonzo to get a much better crowd reaction than he did. Meltzer was told that the segment was much better when they did the practice run earlier in the day. Well, it would be hard for <sighs> it to be much worse. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers also had also made it clear that Lonzo could not touch anyone or do anything physical. So... Uh, you weren't on last week, so what were your thoughts on that segment? You know, I'm not a sports ball person. However, I know these people uh, because you you can't. It's hard not to know these people. They're everywhere. Uh, and, you know, the thought of them being on there at first, I was like, okay, why do we need to do this? I get why WWE does it. WWE does this all the time. Something's really big. They're in the hometown. You know, there's that connection or whatever with him. But, uh, no, it was bad. It was terrible. It it went off the rails quickly. It should have been a lot shorter. Um, you know, I watched the Hulu version, so I didn't see the slur until later when I when I saw a news article. I'm like, wait, there was a slur. I don't remember that. I feel like I would have remembered that. And I went back and watched the clip, and just I just love Dean Ambrose's re- like facial expressions. Uh, it was, it was, it was terrible. It was god awful. <laughs> so bad. Uh, this is probably my favorite story of the week, but on Saturday, a fan tagged the Hardy family on Twitter to suggest that Matt and Jeff's children could become Team Extreme 2.0. Uh, <laughs> it included a prior photo of the original Team Extreme with the Hardy boys and Lita. This upset Matt Hardy's wife, Rebby, who tweeted, quote, don't tag my kids in pictures with this hoe, end quote. <laughs> a fan then tweeted at Rebby, I'd love to see you say shit like that to Amy Dumas. You are real brave behind a keyboard. Oh, no. Rebby, who has never been shy about sharing her opinions on social media, then responded with, Do I give off the vibe that I'm timid? Is that what you are interpreting here? Lita has not commented on the matter. You know, Lita would be smart to stay out of that. (laughs) Everybody Uh, would be smart to stay out of interactions with Rebby. I think that's probably true. I think that she needs to not ever ever be brought into the WWE alongside Matt in any way. Ugh. Uh, we got a run of you know some s- sad news over the next few stories, but uh, Smith Hart, the oldest brother of Bret Hart, passed away this week. Uh, Tyson Kidd broke the news in his post on Facebook. Hart, who is 68 years old, had been battling stage 4 prostate cancer and was recently moved into hospice care, uh, so we certainly want to send along our best to the Hart family. Uh, and all of uh, Smith Hart's family and friends over that loss. Certainly a tragic thing, and a, another blow to a wrestling family, uh, wrestling royal family, if you will, in the hearts. There's not much left of that particular royal family of the founding members. It's, that's sad. That's unfortunate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, TV personality and WWE fan Maria Menounos revealed that she recently underwent a risky surgery to remove a brain tumor and will step down as co-anchor of E! News. Uh, In a People magazine cover story, the 39-year-old Menounos said she was diagnosed after reporting dizziness, headaches, and slurred speech to a doctor. She had a golf ball-sized melanoma brain tumor uh, that was pushing on her facial nerves, fascial nerves. Fascial. Uh, I didn't cry. I actually laughed, she told people. It was so surreal and crazy and unbelievable that my mom had a brain tumor and now I have one too. Uh, Menounos, she has... Uh, 
She had the seven-hour surgery, which is a long surgery. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. With famed neurosurgeon Dr. Keith Black on June 8th, and 99% of the benign tumor was removed. He said, I'm 98% sure it's benign, but we won't know until we get in there, Menunos told people. I don't have my balance fully yet. My face is still numb. This is something that takes at least a month of healing, but I'm getting stronger and stronger every day, and I'll be back to normal very soon, she said. Menounos also told people that she considers the experience a blessing that brought her family closer. I tell people all the time that if your car is making a weird noise, you take it to the mechanic. How come when your body is making weird noises, we ignore it? I'm so lucky that I went to the doctor and raised the alarm, she said. Menuno said in a statement that she is grateful for the past three years at E and will truly miss everyone, but is looking forward to the next chapter of her life. Uh, Menounos has been active with the WWE in a variety of capacities, including in the ring since 2009. The popular personality even had a WrestleMania moment back in 2012, teaming with Cal uh, Kelly Kelly to defeat Beth Phoenix and Eve Torres, and she may or may not have shit her pants in that match. Uh, <laughs> more recently, she's been a regular presence at the annual WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony. She inducted her friend Bob Backlund in, in 2013 and hosted the red carpet special for the past four years. She also has appeared as a guest backstage interviewer at WrestleMania the last three years. So certainly glad to hear that they apparently got the uh, tumor taken care of and certainly right, wish absolutely. a speedy and full recovery for Maria Menounos, yeah, uh, who I thought always, yeah, I thought always, thought she did a great job i agree here's one here's one we may not feel quite so bad for but let's let's give it a shot bring me down man let's let's give it a shot and see what you think uh former wwe star sunny has been hospitalized twice (laughs) since last week the hall of famer was admitted to a hospital in new york early last week and again on saturday was there was it they did you get like a billiard ball stuck up there or something or last monday she posted photos of a bruise from a hospital and wrote quote okay need to get out of this hospital they will only release me if someone comes to get me. Who is near Stony Brook who can come sign me out and, quote, get me out of here now? Usually, was that on just, like, Twitter? Did she, like, just throw yeah. it on Twitter, on social yep. media? Yep. That's freaky and scary. You're going to get some, like, obsessed fan showing yeah. up, like, yeah, I'm here to, to help her out. What? Yeah. Usually they don't, like, prevent you from leaving unless it's, like, a chemical or, or they have reason to believe you might injure yourself. I, I don't know what yeah, the, the reasoning was. But on Saturday morning, she revealed that she was in the emergency room because she, quote, passed out and fell. I'm thinking she okay. might have had some help in passing out and falling. Uh, but, probably true. Uh, in an update on the situation, she is currently hospitalized at Southside Hospital in Bayshore, New York. Uh, she sent the, uh, an update on Monday afternoon thanking people for their concern, saying, quote, I appreciate everyone's concern for me. I'm still in the hospital. Please, everyone who has my number and keeps calling or texting, please ease up. My phone is blowing up, and I don't have the energy to respond yet. I will when I can. My phone is driving my nurses crazy. Thank you. Perhaps don't go on social media then and prompt everybody right. to know you're in a hospital absolutely. absolutely and being held captive uh prior to being hospitalized sitch had said on twitter that she was having a horrible fucking day and asked someone please make it better she also wrote on facebook the night before why is it that when i meet a normal guy and we're getting along great he disappears all of a sudden with no warning he must find out what i do for a living and that's so judgmental and sucky fuck you then i don't need you <laughs> she's a she's something else she followed that up with saying, quote, so just now on my way to the gym, I stopped for a sandwich because I'm starving. Always good to eat right before you work out. Uh, some guy who <laughs> recognized me took it upon himself to sit down at my table, start talking to me, and long story short, offered me money for sex. She then puts in capital letters, when will you assholes realize I'm not a fucking escort or a hooker? Fuck you all. Um, 
I don't know if she's been released from the hospital, but she also put on Twitter today, um, I've decided to release that special booty video I filmed for my friends just on on her OnlyFans site, which is a subscription service where you pay $30 a month to let her know you're a fan of hers. Wow, that's great. How much would you pay for a sunny booty video at this day and age, Annie? I'm not even going to answer that one. I'm I don't even know what's I, entailed I in this booty video. I don't know if there's stuff going in there. I don't know if it's stuff coming out. I, don't, I have no idea. Billiard balls. I'm telling you, billiard balls. Uh, who's billiard? Um, <laughs> Speaking of balls, <laughs> are we are we at Great Balls of Fire? I think we're, I think we're about there, right? Almost. We got one more story. One more story, and then we're done. All right. uh, in a bit of news that probably won't make the WWE too happy, Paige apparently sat in the front row at Impact <laughs> Wrestling's Slammiversary pay-per-view in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Was during, she caught on camera? Hold on. I'll get there. Okay. Uh, during the main event between Alberto El Patron and Lashley, a female wearing a Dos Caras Lucha mask, El Patron father's, El Patron's father's, is a legendary luchador named Dos Caras, uh, took a seat in the front row. Fans who snapped shots of the woman at ringside believe her to have been Paige. Uh, shot on her camera, a shot of her camera confirms that the masked woman was Paige since the WWE star's real name, Sari, Saraya Beavis, is on the phone. Uh, Way to stay incognito. Uh, Paige was confirmed as being backstage at Slammiversary a few hours before the show. PWI Insider reported that she was at the show with El Patron, which wouldn't be the first time she was backstage at an Impact event with him. Um, in the past, they're just going to wash their hands of her and be done? Well, they've still got that movie about her family coming out, and I think that's probably a big part of why they haven't that, done that. You know, when when I first heard about this movie, that came out of nowhere. Like... Like, why did they think that this was going to be a big thing? And why do they still think? Like, wouldn't it be better at this point to just not release that film? Just to scrap that project? That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. You you're think just so? Throwing away. Yeah. I don't no, know. I, I don't see them doing that. It's not gonna. It's not gonna get them much money. Like, no, no offense. At this point, she's been off TV for so long, and 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 I don't think she's aside from the sex tape situation. I don't think she's that relevant anymore. I don't. I don't know if it, they're going to get their return on investment here. Well, that's. I mean, you got to keep in mind that's also being pushed by um, The Rock, so that's a fairly large, mm, uh, large thing to pass on in terms of promotion. The Rock is also in a Jumanji movie coming up, so like, <laughs> well, eh, not everything not. he touches is gold. Well, you know. It, there's a lot of stuff he's touched that's been shit that's that's made a lot of money. So mm-hmm. now here's an interesting thing because I was having this. This is a little bit off off topic. I'm going to go off the run sheet here for a second because I actually had this random conversation with a person today, and I figured since I got you here, it'd be interesting to have this conversation with you. All right. Uh, how familiar are you with the the you know sort of paparazzi aspect of of celebrity in terms of like your TMZ stuff and how they yeah, do their I, business? Yeah, I, I know of it. I, okay, I, I see things about TMZ all the time. Now, of all the big, you know, best-looking celebrities in the world, have you ever seen The Rock filmed with a woman anywhere? In all the pictures. I know he takes his mom to the award show. Right. There's never rumors about who he's dating. And oh, he's not married? No, he was. He got divorced a long time ago. Oh, okay. I his assumed wa- he was married. No, his okay. ex-wife is still his manager, but they're divorced. Okay. Interesting. So, but you never, ever hear of him with any women. He's never... 
Unless no, he's but, keeping it super low key. But none of the women wanna... ever come forward and say, "Hey, I was with the Rock." Either usually that that would be almost a badge you would of think. honor. Yeah, you would think. Um, you know, George Clooney. Are you, are, tries... are you barking up a tree? I think you're barking up here. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just stating some facts. You hey, can draw hey, whatever you conclusions you want from it. I'm sure my husband would be okay if we wanted to test the theory and, and get that you know information out to the public. I would be okay to try that. Um, but are you are you saying the Rock is on your list? Andy? Well, I mean, he isn't really necessarily on my list, but like, but I he mean, might be he now. Is, but he might be now. I mean, he's he's a very good looking man. Uh, and but I don't. I guess I never really thought of it before. Yeah, that's interesting. I, when you think about it, every other slide, like, like I said, George Clooney's a very private guy, but you always see who he's banging or hear the stories. That's true. That's you just true. never hear anything about a romantic relationship for The Rock. It's a little strange. Maybe he's just doing too many movies. He doesn't have time for it. Maybe he's asexual. I don't know. I, I, but that's, I don't know. It is a little weird, though, when you think about it, though, right? Yeah. Teams need to get a hold of that. Yeah, that right? Out. All that came off a discussion I had at work, so you're welcome for that, fans. <laughs> All right, so now the main event, the thing everybody of balls. tuned into the rundown to listen to as yes. Andy and I attempt to tell you exactly what is going to happen at hashtag WWE balls this coming Sunday. It's my favorite part of the episodes usually, but it always seems like we're, we we get to this point. It's like two hours in and we're like, yeah, yeah they're going to win. Yeah, they're going to win. But I, I feel like we still, we still got the energy going at this point. So oh, yeah. We'll give some analysis. I think. There we'll, we go. Let's do it. Uh, let's start with the match I'm pretty sure you don't give a fuck about, but the Cruiserweight Championship going to be on the line as the latest member. I don't member, know the buildup. So. The latest member of the Titus brand, Akira Tozawa, will challenge the king of the Cruiserweights, Neville, for the Cruiserweight Championship Andy, who do you like in that one? Uh, Neville, because just because, again, maybe I just don't know enough about the buildup. Maybe the buildup's been there and I don't know. But Neville is still amazing. And Neville still, still needs to hold the belt until they get someone, maybe someone big from maybe NXT mm-hmm. or some indie guy to come in to really give him uh, kind of a, a buzz for a competitor. Yeah. I'm not saying anything bad about Akira Tozawa, but... To me, he's just that guy who was on the the Cruiserweight Classic that I don't really know what he's done since then. Yeah, and he's had a nice little run as a face down in the 205 in the Cruiserweight division. Um, but, I don't, like I said, I think Neville is a transcendent champion. I think he carries Absolutely. across. He's got credibility. He's he's real. His heel turn's been tremendous. He's been great yeah. in his heel role. Uh, and he is the face of that 205, and I don't know that Akira Tozawa has it to be the face of that right. division, so yeah, I'm gonna be with, I'm gonna go with you on that one. I think uh, Neville holds on to the title there, and he should. If, even if he doesn't, he absolutely should. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll lead us to our second match, which is for the Raw Tag Team Championships, as Dublin 07 Cesaro and Sheamus defend those titles against Matt and Jeff the Hardy Boys, and added this week the kicker that it is going to be a 30 minute Iron Man match. Rock on. Yeah, um, I. I there's a joke to be made here, Andy, about asking your opinion on the Iron Man match, but let's just go with your choice for who you think is going to win the match. This is going to be a great match. I think this has the capability of being match of the night. Um, I think that maybe they uh, they put this on first to really, you know, when you got a long match like this, it, it'd be a great start to the, to the actual show proper. Um, I think it, it's going to stay with Cesaro and Sheamus just because I think they're going to run with the titles a little bit longer. Um, and I don't know who's going to be the ones to take it off him, but I don't think it's going to be the Hardys. I think the Hardys were brought back to be that surprise at WrestleMania to to carry the titles and, and really kind of add some legitimate 
add some legitimacy for a while, um, but they're going to go off and do something else after this, whether that's together or not. And I think uh, definitely Cesaro and Sheamus are going to win this one. All right, so my take on this is based largely on the rest of the roster. And what I mean by that is I can look and ask myself legitimately if Sheamus and Cesaro win this match, who do they move on to? And recently the the obvious choice would be Enzo and Cass because they were long overdue for a title run. But it doesn't look like that's obviously going to happen now. So... I can't think of another raw ta- face tag team that's that's of uh, that yeah, caliber. Yeah, I guess you're right. They, they have to be faces, wouldn't they? So to me, what you're looking at at that point is put the titles back on the Hardys and then let's get a Hardys and revival program going because I think okay, I'd be behind that. I think there could be money in that. So to me, I'm gonna I'm gonna say they're gonna go with putting the titles back on the Hardys. Okay, okay. I'm gonna stick with my with my choice because I don't know for reasons, but you make a very compelling point there. Uh, our next title match is going to be for the Intercontinental title in the feud that will never end as The Miz once again <laughs> defends this title against Dean Ambrose. And we talked about it before. If you go back and exclude the small respite around WrestleMania because Cena wanted to propose to his girlfriend, these guys have been feuding pretty much exclusively for about a year now. They have been. And it'll probably be a decent match because I think both of them can work. And I I really love The Miz I love The Miz a lot. I think he's probably the greatest heel they've got right now. Maybe Owens is a little bit better. Uh, pure heels, work. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, as a pure heel, absolutely. I Totally. I, I'm going to give it to The Miz, and maybe they'll, there's got to be someone that they can put against The Miz here uh, and, and really kind of push him for the next few months. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of The Miz, but I really hope this is the last time we see these guys. Yeah, the, kinda, hopefully this is the end of these two. Yeah, yeah I really hope so. And... Um, for my money, I, I really, I, I've been a huge fan of The Miz. I think since Maurice came back, his character's just grown in leaps and bounds. Oh, yeah. And I'm really enjoying the addition of The Miz mm-hmm. uh with Axel and Bo Dallas. I think it's, I think it adds something to Miz. I think it's great for those two guys to have sort of some definition to their characters and, and, a, and a purpose on the show. Yeah. I hope they I hope they stick with that. Uh and in order to stick with that I think Miz has to win, so I'm gonna stick with my choice uh of Miz successfully retaining the Intercontinental title at hashtag WWE Balls. Um and if you're looking for some poetry to go with your WWE balls, <laughs> Jesus may I suggest that you go to tinyurl slash distant horizons. It's true. Just thought I'd throw get, that plug. Just thought I'd throw your, that plug get, in there. Get like, your poetry fix. Why go. not? Yes, absolutely. Get in there. It's 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 like five years old at this point. But get your fix. It's worth. Hey, nothing wrong with a little butt poetry every now and then. Hey, hey butt poetry is the best poetry. There you go. Uh, also, our next match. We talked about this one sort of in depth, but let's go into a prediction here. Uh, Enzo Amore going to face Big Cass in a battle of the former tag team partners. I sort of already gave my take on this one. I think Cass is going to win. I think Cass is going to win decisively. I sort of laid out how I would book it with Cass just beating on Enzo until he gets disqualified. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, Andy, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Either he's going to beat him up until he gets disqualified or we're going to get this sort of thing where it's just going to be like he's not going to stay down, he's not going to stay down, um, and then Cass is finally going to get the best of him. So I think I think Big Cass wins. Um, it'll be a clean win rather than a disqualification, but I think that that would be just as legitimate of an end as well. Hmm, interesting. Uh, 
We have the women's championship is going to be defended as Alexa Bliss will defend that belt against Sasha Banks. Uh, I'm on record as saying I think I would have held off on this till SummerSlam. I think this should have been your SummerSlam program. I'm not quite sure why we're doing this here. I think we could have gotten another month out of Bailey. We could have done something else. We could have. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. We could have put some finality to kind of the Nia Jax thing they were working on with Alexa. There were ways to to avoid getting to this until SummerSlam, but. In any event, they're going to do it here. And the only reason I would justify this is if Sasha wins the title and we get Sasha versus Bailey at SummerSlam because it's in that same building as their epic encounter at NXT in Brooklyn, I think that would be a nice little bit of storytelling. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think Alexa re- retains the title here um, probably by nefarious means, but I don't see Sasha leaving great balls with the championship. Agreed. I think uh, Alexa Bliss will still hold the title. However, I think we may see a, like you said, something nefarious, which means that Sasha Banks will pick up the victory, uh, but won't win the title, and that'll push toward the actual rematch at SummerSlam. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense, too. Uh, Now, Andy, your uh, expertise area here. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins in a Ah. battle of who the fuck cares, but Ah. let's find out if Andy cares and what he thinks is going to happen. I wish I could care more about this because I like these guys so much. Um, I don't honestly know what they're going to do because this story has not been told well enough that I don't know what the stakes are for winning and losing at this this point for these two. So just because I have no idea, I'm going to go with Seth Rollins. Oh, that's a good pick, I guess. Uh, you know, it seems like every one of these events, I sit there and go, "Well, this has to be one where Bray needs to win. <laughs> this has to be the one where he wins." Uh, given all his public legal issues with his wife, maybe this is where they punish him. So I'm probably going to say Seth Rollins wins this match. There you go. Uh, maybe, or maybe Bray Wyatt wins and he and JoJo have a live sex celebration. Who knows? We'll find out. I do not want to see that. <laughs> now, we you weren't on the show when we discussed the uh, the issues between with Bray Wyatt and JoJo. Uh, my take on that was if you were to give me the entire WWE roster and say two of these people are fucking. That would probably be the last couple I would pick. It would be one of the last couples for sure uh, on my list as well. It's confusing, but, you know, love happens in the strangest of places. So there I you suppose. Uh, of course, JoJo, the daughter of former Red Sox second baseman, Jose Offerman. So there's that. Maybe too. JoJo can be Sister Abigail. No, that would be Sister Abigail. <laughs> you went there, not me. I want to make that clear. I've you gone there before on the show. That's fine. Uh, uh, I was going to say, this show has been very, very clean cut. And, uh, not, nothing controversial for once. I think the, the lack of Troy and Adam has made that. The lack of Troy is definitely part of that. <laughs> um, we also well, and, have... and Adam to not be racist against Asians. So. This is true, too. Yeah. It's, you know, allegedly. Um <laughs> Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman in an ambulance match. Uh, this was, of course, the match we were supposed to have at Extreme Rules. Braun's injury kind of postponed it, but they, they were not uh, sh- shy about bringing it back for this month at hashtag WWE Balls. So the question becomes, whose balls are bigger, Roman or Strowman? It's, it's a tough call. Um, you know, everything's pointing to probably Roman Reigns. I... It'll be an interesting match. I'll, I like it. I like the buildup. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm, I guess I'll just go with Roman. Yeah, the last two matches have been very physical, very entertaining. I've enjoyed this this program quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, if, if you believe the rumors and it's Roman and Lesnar at SummerSlam, I almost feel like Roman has to win this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but sort of in the way I laid out earlier where he wins it and then Roman and Strowman kind of 
plows his way out of the ambulance before yeah. it ever takes off, you know, so he still looks good coming out of it. Right, uh, but that's that's kind of what I see happening. Uh, and then, of course, this the match we've been talking about ad nauseum throughout the course of this show, WWE Universal Championship, Brock Lesnar, along with Paul Heyman, defending the title against Samoa Joe. Andy, how do you see this one going down? Oh, my head says Brock Lesnar. My heart is saying Samoa Joe. Like, I, what I want to see happen is I want to see the shock. I want to see Samoa Joe win. However, I know that it's not going to happen. And it'll be Brock Lesnar. But it'll be a physical as hell match. Yeah, I'm very excited to see this. Now, my only caveat of protecting my my poor little heart from being disappointed uh, is that I remember how excited I was for the prospect of the street fight between Lesnar and Ambrose at WrestleMania that turned into an absolute squash and a shit show of a match. Um, So I'm hoping that's not what they do here. I really don't want to see them squash Joe. Uh, I'm really hoping this is a competitive back-and-forth match. I don't see Joe winning as much as I'd like him to. I have a feeling uh, Lesnar's going to carry this title at least until SummerSlam. Although he shouldn't, he will. Uh, and he's going to win this here, but I really hope it's a competitive, brutal slugfest uh, with both guys taking a hell of a beating and Joe looking good in defeat. I would agree. All right. Well, with that, we're going to... I think we're just about done, Andy, unless you've got I, anything yeah, else you no, want to discuss. I, I don't think so. I think, I think we've kind of... We've covered a lot this this week. So, I, you know, I think we're looking forward... I'm looking forward to a really interesting pay-per-view with a really awful name. And, <laughs> you know, it should hopefully be a good time. All right. Well, in that case, we're going to remind you we've got some stuff to plug. Uh, and uh, Troy did not provide us with the newest, latest info for Bruce City Wrestling. So stay tuned next week. I'm sure he'll get that he's, to he's us. A, he's, a, he's a little busy with a baby. Yeah, By the well, way, congratulations, Well, Troy. I was going to get to that at the end, Andy, but thanks for pulling oh, well, the spot. Okay, sorry. Jesus Christ. Sorry. I didn't yes. realize. I didn't have your notes here listed. <laughs> it just says plugs. I'm sorry. But I guess I'll say it now, and that'll make me look like the better the better man. Uh, congratulations, Troy. Um that's awesome. That's yeah. Troy's uh, wife had their daughter, second daughter, mm-hmm. uh, this past well, it was a couple of days ago, actually. Yeah. Uh, I just want to send off our congratulations to Troy. That's why he's been on hiatus and will be for a little bit of time while the new family gets used to their adjustment. Uh, baby and mommy are doing fine, so we all want to pass along our congratulations to the Bozen family in its entirety for their newest member. So that's why Troy hasn't got his Bruce City Wrestling information. But uh, that's, why, that's why Troy didn't just randomly pop in the middle of this episode either. If you are interested in Bruce City Wrestling, I suggest you go back and check out the rundown sit-down I did with the fabled one, Aesop Mitchell, where we discuss in great detail uh, professional wrestling in the Midwest and particularly in Bruce City Wrestling. That's a great listen, so go check that out. Uh, if you want to see a show where Adam and I will both be together, you can check out the El Mundo Fan Fest Saturday, so I'm sorry, Sunday, July 23rd from the historic Fenway Park. Only the second wrestling show in 60 years to take place inside the walls of Fenway Park. Always a, it was a, it'll be my second year participating. It's a great time. It's a great day. You come out, whole family. There's live wrestling all through the day. Uh, there's also a bunch of exhibits, great stuff to do. Plus, like I said, you get to be at Fenway. Uh, and you get to see Adam and I, so there's that too. Uh, we will also both be at Atlantic Pro Wrestling when we return Sunday, July 30th at Old Yankee Homecoming in Newbury. Uh, I believe it's at the Bartlett Mall. It's a free show, so come check out all the great action for the price of free. You can't get much better than that. Uh, you can check out Lucky Pro Wrestling Summer Sizzle Saturday, August 5th at the Elks Hall in Clinton, Massachusetts. And I'm not going to do the Clinton 
uh, voice there that Adam typically does. I know that the uh, sorry, LPW heavyweight champion, the selfie-made man Vern Vicalo, is going to take on the Punjabi Lion for the championship there. Also, I think there's a uh, women's title match between Davian and Deanna Perrazzo, who's been in NXT a few times, quite a accomplished female wrestler in the Northeast. Uh, there's women's tag team action. There's singles competition. I believe uh, Bo Douglas is going to challenge Brick Mastone for the LPW Hard Knocks Championship. So great night of action. Go check that out. Um, Liberty States will return in September. They're on hiatus. So we'll get more information on that as we get a little bit closer. I will be in uh, taking part in the UFO's Big Bang August 23rd, it's a Wednesday night in Malden, Massachusetts at the Malden Irish American. Uh, some matches announced for that so far. We are going to have the Kingpin Brian Malonis defending the championship against an independent star, Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson, going to be in the house. Uh, also, we are going to have the a UFO Tag Team Championships on the line as the team of Bo Douglas and Josh Briggs defend the titles against the Cool People. Uh, there was quite a sh- uh, interaction last time. The Cool People attacked them, hit them with the belt, got disqualified. This is the rematch, so we'll see how it plays out. Uh, And also, I believe we have a singles match signed, uh, which I don't know if it's officially been announced yet, so I don't know if I want to go and and put it out there. But I'll just say this. It does feature independent star Teddy Goods. So we'll hopefully have more info on that next week when I can verify that it is out there and official. Uh, But that's going to be, once again, the UFO Big Bang on August 23rd in Malden, Massachusetts. Uh, You can... Elkamania is going to return as well in September, so keep keep you posted on that. Uh, You can get the show at Rundown Podcast on Twitter or RundownWrestling at Gmail dot com for all your feedback. Uh, You can leave. and real quick, I wanted to throw in, since you're talking about wrestling and we had a million of them, might as well throw in SCW. Oh, go ahead. uh, Which again, which comes from obviously, you know, maybe. You would know it from uh, Seth Rollins, a little, little, well, you know, small-known wrestler getting his start there. Uh, SCW Red, White, and Bruised will be uh, their next show on July 15th at the uh, Walcott Coliseum in Walcott, Iowa. So if you are in the Midwest, in Iowa, Illinois, definitely go check that out. Absolutely. We want to promote all the wrestling around the country that we can. Uh, if you'd like to leave a voicemail for our show, feel free to do so at 617-863-6967. That is 61 Rundown 7. You can check us out on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Uh, also, see archived photos of our uh, sorry, archived episodes of our video shows at youtube.com slash rundownpodcast. You can go to paypal.me slash rundownwrestling to make a donation. Uh, Adam would like me to remind you that $10 pays for hosting for an entire month. Uh, he still has on here. You can go f- to get your copy of Chasing Distant Horizons at tinyurl.com slash distanthorizons. Yeah, help, help, a, help a teacher who's on break right now. That'd be great. According to Troy, it is poetry for your asshole. Uh, that's Troy. <laughs> hey, he he also, to be fair, he also sent me a text today and said, hey, I lost my copy of Distant Horizons. Can you send me a new one? And I'm like, oh, great. You actually want to read it. Or he's run out of toilet paper. One of the two. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to send him a digital copy. So I don't know why he'd want to print copies and go through all of that. But eh. I'm still a big. I'm still a big fan of the uh, notion of Troy doing the book, the audio book for Chasing Distant Horizons. I think that's something you guys need if, to work if, on. If, if and... he wants to do that and not make a complete mockery of it, I'm all for it. Oh, it's so much more fun if he makes a mockery. <laughs> right there. Uh, you can check out all of our sister podcasts on the Questual Endeavor Network, including Shadowvane at Shadowvane.net. 
Uh, Tune in Japanese on iTunes and Stitcher. The Raw Attitude Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. The Slasher Sanitarium on iTunes and Stitcher. New episodes coming to their Slasher Sanitarium as soon as Troy gets back from his hiatus. Uh, Pwn Stars on iTunes and Podomatic. The New Blood Rising on iTunes. And Words of Geekdom on iTunes and Stitcher. want to also throw a quick shout-out to the other shows available on the Rundown feed, including Troy's NXT Revisited series, again, also on hiatus, hopefully to be returning soon. Uh, when Troy does return, he'll also be launching his new podcast, Glow Shtick, where he will go through the 10-episode run of the new Netflix series, Glow, detail by detail for every episode, so that'll be great to listen to. Uh, Adam has recently launched his own series called Nitromania, where he goes through as a person who has never followed Nitro, goes through the episodes starting from the beginning of Monday Night Nitro. Always a interesting listen to Adam's take as he watches Nitros for the first time. Uh, and of course, my show on the Rundown Wrestling feed, the Rundown Sit Down. This week we released one I'm very, I was very excited, very proud of, uh, as New England wrestling legend Demon Ortiz, who recently had to retire, sat down with me. We went over his career, his favorite matches including one against a certain former WWE Universal Champion, which you can hear about on the interview, as well as uh, his injury that forced him to retire and the chances that we may ever see him in the ring again. So you definitely want to check that out. The Rundown Sit Down. More episodes coming soon as I book more guests. And uh, if you have anybody you'd like to hear on the sit down, you've got the contact info there. You can contact them or you can tweet me directly on Twitter at at J Stewart. That's J S T U A R T zero nine two zero. Uh, for any information on a Quest End related item, you can go to Twitter at Quest End Network or the website, the newly redesigned website, I understand. Yeah, we, fi- we fixed it up a little bit. Uh, QuestEndNetwork.com. Also, you can check out the Discord channel. We also want to encourage you to listen to our friends, the Kingpin Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett on the wrestling podcast about nothing. Uh, you can check them out on Facebook. That's two shows a week. Uh, always an entertaining listen. Those guys have been very good to us, and we like to be good to them as well, of course. Of course, the Kingpin, also a guest on the Rundown Sit Down, so you definitely want to go check that one out, too. Uh, you can search for us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or the Podomatic under the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I probably should have said that one earlier, but that's the way Adam wrote it in the notes. So I think... Blame Adam. <laughs> so I think, unless you have anything else, Andy... No, oh, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, it's nice to be back on here. I like to be on here every once in a while. I've got a lot on my plate with podcasts with between Shadow Vane and Tuning Japanese... Uh, and working through the website and all that. So whenever I can get on here, it's great. Um, you know, if you are brand new to the show and you're not sure who I am, um, you know, I, I do have a pass with this show. And if you're interested in the other shows, go definitely go check out Shadow Vane if you like radio dramas, if you are a fan of anime, which there it's weird. There is a little bit of a crossover between anime and wrestling, honestly, at fandoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, go, go check out Tuning Japanese. We are wrapping up our review of Trigun and confirmed, and I can't spill the beans on exactly... We'll have a very special guest to end our review of Trigun. So, so you have, you've confirmed that. a special guest that you can't confirm. I, I, I've, we've confirmed that it's going to happen, but I'm <laughs> not going to say who it is yet because last time we did that, when Jessica Calvello came on, there were issues uh, getting that put out when we wanted it to get put out. So I don't want to get any fans' hopes up right away with a name and then immediately dash their dreams and lose listeners. So, All right. Well... I think uh, that's going to do it for episode 301 of The Rundown. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank everyone on the side, Nina Marie and Matt Riley, both for participating in the show. Uh, I want to thank you, Andy. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. 
Always good to have a GND episode every now and then. It's true. There you go. Change things up. It's only the second time ever, but I feel like we've represented pretty well here. I think we did a good job tonight. Uh, I'm pretty happy with this. So, uh, I'm not going to say Adam's catchphrases because a lot of them are stupid. Uh, I'm also not going to tell you to go to Google Plus because that's not really a thing. And fuck him no. for continuously putting that on there. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about you know WWE shitty horror films from like ten years ago. Yeah. I will we, say, f- we, yeah, we will say thank you. Yes, to uh, to our uh, wonderful artist Ray Williams. Yes. Is a- Great, great guy from what from you know from what I know uh, for the artwork. Really appreciate that. Yes. And, uh, I, the, thank you to I Fight Dragons for yeah, the theme thank you very song. Much. Absolutely. And uh, thank you to Ray for his uh, his version of the rundown. Also, uh, Troy tweaked it a little bit for the sit down logo too, so it worked out really great. Most I appreciate good. that. Uh, and uh, I think that's just about going to do it. So I want to remind you guys: fashion police yourself, and uh, we'll see you next Thursday. Ooh, later. Japanese, what say you, my friend Menchi? And I guess I'm here too. If you're looking for wacky reviews of anime, check out Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. Only on the Questionable Endeavor Network. Do they drink too? Not a little bit. I do. <laughs> <laughs>